Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at That Hockey Show. Welcome aboard to THS, everybody. This Thursday, July 10th, 2021, as we are wrapping up the second round of the NHL playoffs, special NHL playoffs edition here. As we wait to find out who will be the fourth and final team into the semifinals, Vegas and Colorado going out of tonight. Game six, Avs want this thing to go back to the great city of Denver. We'll see what happens. The Habs are through. The Islanders are through. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, are also through. And we're going to talk about it all afternoon here today with yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the board here in the great city of New York on Long Island. That noise in the background is the Islander fans. They're still at the Coliseum. We'll head up to Buffalo, talk to Mr. Joe Yarden, writing about Jack Ockley yesterday. What's that all about? And we'll head down to Florida. Tab's usually in Chicago, but he's in sunny Florida this weekend. Then we'll head up to the great city of Montreal, where they are partying like mad. And last but not least, we will head out to the great state of California and check in with our buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo, and get all my linemates' take on this wonderful NHL playoffs that we're all witnessing here. You know, you're getting a little bit of everything. You're getting the shock and awe of the Montreal Canadiens taking down the Mighty Leafs and the... I don't know. What do, you, what do you call the Winnipeg Jets? I don't know. They're, they're, they're swept, so they're they're under the rug. That's what we call the Jets and the Leafs. They're just, you know, second thoughts now. Done. Montreal dancing in the streets, hanging out. Not full house yet, but a bunch of fans in the stands. What a story in Montreal. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I like these Habs, and we'll get into that with Costa later on. The Tampa Bay Lightning are through. They took care of the Carolina Hurricanes. Four games to one, so the defending Stanley Cup champions are going to be hanging out with these, I don't know, what do you call these New York Icelanders, or the New York Saints, as they've called themselves last night, and their elimination of the Boston Bruins at home, at the Coliseum, the old barn. Now, you guys know I am a Rangers fan, okay? I've had to put up with Islander fans my whole life here, and I would say equally the Islander fans have to put up with us Ranger fans. But I want to say this, okay? Fair play and bravo for representing Long Island. The fans have just been absolutely unbelievable. I think they were definitely uh, seventh man, you might say, as far as helping the Islanders uh, just get under the Bruins' skin. They did a great job, not only on the ice, but the fans have done just a fantastic job off the ice. It's great to watch. I don't know. I mean, I don't have the the look. I'm I'm going to root for the you know the Bolts. I don't want the Islanders win a Stanley Cup before the Rangers do again. I just don't want it. But I got to tell you, I have a ton of respect for Barry Trotz, a ton of respect for Lou Lamorello, and you know maybe outside of Barzell, I, I, there's not too many guys that I don't like on the Islanders. It's not like the Islanders years ago. You know, it's, uh, guys like Ferraro and Hextall, and man, you go into the '80s when I grew up and. Growing up with the dynasty guys, 
oh, broken, breaking me and other Rangers fans' hearts for years in the 80s, knocking out our Smurfs, going on to win Stanley Cups, drive for five, you know. So we're sitting here, and, um, you know, they're having fun, man, and, and they're doing it. So good on the Islanders. They got a great series lined up, rematch of the summer tournament, a little different now. Totally going to be different for uh, Tampa Bay, you know, coming into this Coliseum with this kind of a crowd. As you remember, last year, uh, quarantine tournament, no fans. Uh, very hard to to get through that. Those guys did it. Tampa Bay went on the win. They're champs now. They're healthy. They got everything in their lineup. Looks like the Islanders outside of Anders Lee. He was on the ice the other day. Maybe he comes back, but I don't know if he comes back this series. But it should be something else. Bravo, Islanders taking care of the Bruins. They just gave them all they could. Big goals from different guys, different li- you know, different lines. Varlamov standing on his head there, doing the job, and they just took care of Boston. And see you later, Bruins. And here we go. We get this great uh, rematch. Just great story. Two great coaches, Cooper and Trotz. It'll be something to see. Stamkos, Kucherov, Sergeyev, um, Hedman. I mean, it goes on and on as far as, you know, and for me, for my money, um, Vasilevsky and that best goaltender in the world as far as I'm concerned. And Varlamov has been playing great too. Great young defensive core there, uh, you know, on the Islanders. And like I said, they can spread it out. And with trots behind the bench, this should be a good one. So my advice to the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, if they had any chance to watch the game last night, um, win your games at home because that's a rowdy bunch there at the barn. And they're having fun. Good stuff. Um, again, this uh, night's Rado series has just been unbelievable. Anything you could ask for, back and forth, high energy, high skilled guys. Full credit to Pete DeBoer, Coach DeBoer here, and these nights to flip this whole tournament. I'm um, tournament, I should say, series around. It's it's amazing. Uh, I'm one of the folks that just didn't think that Rado was going to have. I knew they. Were, I'm going to give respect to the Knights. They were going to give them some trouble here. But I don't think they'd be down 3-2. I just would never seen Rado down 3-2, especially with the crushing him in game one. But then again, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, bravo. I, I'm I'm a big fan. He's been playing, playing, he's been playing fantastic. He's still got it, man. The way he moves uh, in the pipes there. Good stuff. And I think he's ultimately going to be the difference. So tonight, we get a game six. Everybody in the hockey world wants a Game 7, so we're all rooting for the Avalanche tonight, unless you're a Vegas Knights fan. And look, fans back in the building in in pretty much all these cities, except up in Canada and even, like I said, Montreal now getting some in, uh, which is great to see. But the Barnes in Rado been incredible. You know the show that they put on in Vegas. It'll be full house tonight. That's going to be something else. You've seen what's been going on at the Coliseum. Uh, It was a lot of fun. The Boston fans uh, gave as much as they could, too, when the Bruins were home there as well. And uh, Tampa Bay's got their fan base, too, as well. I just don't know if they're as rowdy and as crazy and as nuts as the Islander fans. So uh, we got some great stuff to look forward to one way or the other. So um, the guys are here. We're all going to talk about it. I'm going to get their take, obviously, on on the Leafs going out. And can't wait to talk to Costa. And they must be as happy as ever up in Montreal. Um, just, you know, you know, here they are. They're four wins away from going to Stanley Cup Finals. Who I don't think anybody could have thought that the team coming out of the North Division to represent the North Division was going to be the Montreal Canadiens. And looking forward to getting into it. I think this has just turned the whole Montreal franchise around. I mean, just no matter what happens here, the Canadiens 
all these young kids, two phenomenal rounds of playoffs, they're going to play one of the two best teams, not only in National Hockey League, but in the world, in the next round. They're going to get, they're getting all this experience. Coach Ducharme, I mean, Bergevon lives another day up there in the GM spot. So, man, um, just lots of fun stuff to look forward to talking with Costa and the rest of the guys here today. And, again, we'll talk about the Leafs out of here. Uh, Joe's got some stuff on, on Eichel we'll get into as well. And uh, Tab will check in. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the Lightning. You know, here they are defending the champs, Central Division. Uh, I want to get into Tab's head a little bit about uh, what this this particular run means to Steve Stamkos. You know, a guy who's been banged up, injured. He played, what, a shift or two last year? He's the captain of his team. But, you know, as far as being healthy for this playoff run and, you know, compared to some of the other great guys who came out of his draft class this past decade, you know, 10, 15 years or whatever it is, whether it's, you know, uh, up against Ovechkin and and Crosby and obviously Taze uh, and Kaner in Chicago and Kopitar out in L.A. and, you know, all these guys. So uh, keep an eye on Stamkos, and we'll get into that too. And and Steve, you know, like I said, been covering the, uh, the Western Division for us, and here we are, how cool it is that the last two teams um, are from the Western Division. And we got all this stuff to look forward to. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep it short here. Uh, thanks again to all of you guys and gals out there who've been listening, subscribing, uh, supporting THS. Uh, it's been so much fun. Uh, I love these guys who've been working with me all season long. We've had such a blast. And um, just can't wait to keep this going. And, and hopefully, like I said, we'll, if we have to do it from the beach here in July, uh, we will uh, to get to the end of the Stanley Cup Finals. So, uh, again, a big thanks from uh, myself, Tab, Joe, Costa, and Steve-O from, uh, from all of us here. Appreciate you guys um, hanging with us uh, here at THS and having so much fun, not only through the regular season, but now this fantastic series. So we are one series away from wrapping up. And um, it's going to be really good. It's going to be cool. Well, all right, that's enough of me. It's time to bring my line mates on. And as always, we start in the face-off circle with the great Joe Yarden from the great city of Buffalo, home of the Toronto Blue Jays, baby. Joe, what's up, buddy? Welcome back. Paul, it's, it's Jays Nation here, man. Jays Nation. I love it. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, right? Jeez, it's uh, something else. Something else having baseball here in, here in, in Cheerio City. Maybe the Sabres should do this every year. The city of Buffalo should have the Blue Jays or or rotate in Major League Baseball teams to take their mind off of the Sabres offseason, which you so kindly reported on yesterday and caused yeah. a bit of kerfuffle in Sabres land. What the hell's going on, Joe? You know, listen, I've had a lot of I had a lot of people thinking that maybe, maybe at some point the bridge could get repaired between the Sabres and Eichel. And I had to write a column, uh, not report, not report anything, but I had to write a column based on the fact that you better get ready for Jack to be playing for somebody else next year because it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And people didn't like hearing it. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. They hated (laughs) hearing every bit of it. But, you know, it's like the police saying one time, truth hits everybody. You know, and the truth hits you and you don't like it. And I think that's I think that's kind of what's happened here. Why are you so sure, Joe? Why are you so sure? (laughs) I'm uh, I've become a bit 
experience than being able to read passive aggressive behavior. <laughs> <laughs> and the you know the end of the season press conference from from both Kevin Adams and Jack Eichel was a masterclass in passive aggressive. Like I want to get out and we want to you know we we want to trade you without saying it as much. And, uh, you know, Adams doubled down on it again uh, recently with um, he did an interview on uh, WGR local radio and basically still said, like, hey, listen, this is not happening. Like, it's it's not happening. And, you know, he, we're not going to let Jack get the interview that or uh, get the get the operation that he wants. So, you know, it's what, what, uh, no, explain that. What is that? Is the, explain this to me. Jack wants a certain type of operation, which mm-hmm. the team obviously has to cover, and the team doesn't want to cover this operation. Their top number one guy. I don't. I don't get it. The uh, the operation that he wants is pretty high risk. Um, well, it's not high risk, but I mean, it's it's not. It hasn't been done on somebody who's a professional hockey player before. Uh, it's been on a couple. It's been done on a couple of uh, uh, MMA fighters, and it's. I mean, it's pretty new, but I mean, it's medically approved. It's not like they're sending them to you know to somebody working in a closet, and you know he's getting you know hacked up with hacksaws, and you know he turns into the Joker afterwards. You know, it's okay. not. It's not anything like that. <laughs> but it's. Oh. But it's new. <laughs> it's a. It's a new thing, and the Sabers doctors. Flat out said, "This is not the this is not the road we want we want to take with this." We because ultimately you, they will be liable if anything went wrong, right? And okay. they get a say, you know, because he's under contract with them. They get a say in in how he gets treated, and Jack does not agree with that whatsoever. Now, cynical people like you know myself, I've tried to not be cynical over time, but um, a lot of people seem to think that Jack is using this as a, as a cudgel to get his way out of Buffalo. And that maybe once he's traded, he magically won't want to get this this surgery anymore. And he'll just say, yeah, you know what? I will rehab it. Forget it. It's fine. Um, but, I mean, as long as Jack says that this is what he wants to do and the team says, no, you're not doing that, there's a big problem. And the way both sides have handled this is basically to just, you know, Jack hasn't said anything else since his end of the year availability, which he basically made it plainly stated, like, I want to get this done. These guys aren't letting me screw them. And the Sabres, you know, they've held their ground on this and they've said, listen, you know, our doctors don't agree with this. We're not going to do that. And there's no and, guarantee that any other team's doctors would approve the same thing if the, if the liability issue is the same. Right. And, you know, Elliot Friedman from from Sportsnet was on WGR this morning and, and laid it out basically that, you know, there are some te- like nobody will go on the record to say it. But there are some teams that agree with the Sabres, but there's others that will look past it and say, whatever, as long as we get that player, we're OK with it. And, you know, the, the way it the way it sounds and, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, it, the way Friedman put it out there was that, you know, the Sabres are, you know, they're they're not counting on having him with the team anymore, um, that they're going to be moving on from him. And uh, Adams has been told that, you know, hey, you got to move this guy as soon as possible. And that's something that I I started hinting at a year ago that if. You know, because Jack's been unhappy at the end of the season the last few years, which understandably so, the team's been bad. Um, but there's there was something different about it. I mean, obviously with the injury, there's a whole different thing about it this year. But there was, but last year there was a different tone about how he was mad about how things went, and that sort of led me to think like I think their window with keeping him is two years. 
because by the time his no move clause kicks in after 21-22, he gets to choose where he wants to go. And if he says, I'm only going to go to Boston uh, or else I'm not playing here anymore, like you got to trade him to Boston or you got to where you got to go through all kinds of legal wrangling to to get yourself free. And none of that, like none of that's good. Um, so this, you know, this time they can trade them to wherever they want to and get the best package they can. And, you know, they, you know, Eichel's an incredible player and they should get a great package for him. But not the neck injury thing is is a problem. So this is it's a very messy situation. And to me, it's it, it's one where it's irreparable between the player and the team. I just don't see how they put it back together and get it figured out. I mean, they've you know they've already signed him to a contract. It's not like they can walk him to the end of a deal and say, "All right, buddy, hit the bricks, you're gone." Like they can't do that. You know, he's got five more years left. That's it's not happening. So at this point, to save, not to save face, but like to to make sure that things don't get uglier in the locker room. Because if you keep a guy, you know, a guy that's unhappy around. Ain't nobody going to be happy. And then, you know, people pointed out Matt Duchesne in Colorado and, and things like that. But that those situations were completely different. You know, th- that those situations didn't involve uh, didn't involve like a, you know, a, a neck injury or an injury where it was such a difference in opinion on how to handle it. So this is this is a very sticky situation. And the Sabres. For you know, for whatever reasons, they they think that, that that they know best in this, and they are ready to move on. And that's, I mean, that's the feeling that I've gotten from this all the whole time since this whole thing kicked up when the season ended. Uh, was that they're they're kind of done with this, and you know, because none of their words really convinced me that like, no, Jack's our guy. We we're gonna do what's best for him. Like that's never been said <laughs> once because they haven't really considered his opinion about you know anything that he wants to do because they're basically like yeah whatever buddy you're gonna do what we say or else. And it's I mean when you get to the point where the team is looking you know the team's looking to the league for some advice on how to handle this and Eichel's going to the players association on how maybe they can you know find some way where he can get his way. That ain't good. Like that's that's it's the parents fighting. There's a divorce coming, but they haven't filed the paperwork yet. That's that's essentially where this is. Oh, Joe, 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 drama. Joe, Joe, Buffalo's the drama Joe. capital, man. Joe, 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 Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time to put Jack on a train and send him out of town and just get. I mean, this is. I mean, this is it, man. Get the clean slate. I mean, this is just. I mean, even with the injury, man, you know, you see the ways guys are getting hit and stuff. I mean, I even think now as a, as a, maybe as a franchise, maybe, I don't know, behind closed doors or whatever, but you know, I mean, the, you know, Jack is, Jack himself might be a liability with the contract and everything else. I mean, I think that you have to look at the organization right now too. I think they have the fair right to turn around and say, well, you know, is Jack damaged goods? I mean, Maybe we should just kind of cut ties and let it go here. I mean, this is, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I'm looking at your column here and you just, the names, O'Reilly, you know, Vander Kane and man, just going back and you keep twisting about Ted Nolan coming back. I mean, all the different stuff that's going on in Buffalo, especially, you know, and when Pakula came, you know, he was like a, a savior, you know, Buffalo guy buys the, you know, he's got the bills. He's got the, he, he brings the, he gets the, the, the Rochester Americans. He puts it all together. He buys them a new facility. I mean, it's, it's like, wow, they, they, somebody's going to come in and just straighten out the Sabres. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe it's just the same, it's the same show seems to be every season here. And I, I, I got to, you know, you can, you can 
probably look at a lot of fan bases throughout the league who are to go through different levels of failure, whether it's regular season or the catastrophe of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the postseason. You know, you can look at all different things, but man, it's it's just it's tough to see, man. It's just tough to mm-hmm. see being a New York guy here down Long Island, um, loving you know the history of the Sabers and a lot of great guys that have come through that organization, and just not seeing any success here. And it just seems like, wow, you know, you're right. You know, we talked about it pre-show. It's like the same old story up there, you know. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know where to go. And then it's like, well, you know, you look at some of the other franchises in this in this league and some of the things that they have to do. You almost want to be like, you know, I'm going to go get a job at the Kraken right now. <laughs> well, it's all that, brand that, new there. <laughs> Well, this this is this is like a conversation I had a couple a few years ago with uh, Tim Graham. I was on when Tim Graham had his radio show here in Buffalo, and he posed the question. You know, at this point, you know, the Sabers were, you know, six seven years out of you know not making the playoffs, and his question was, would you trade? Would you trade straight up whatever Vegas becomes? Uh, like this is before they even drafted. You know, they had an, you know, had the expansion draft. Would you trade? Whatever the Sabres have right now for whatever Vegas brings on board to just say, like, whatever, clean slate. And at that time, I was like, no, you've got Eichel. You've got your building block. You've got Reinhardt. You've got your building block. You've got these guys in place. You've got more of hope there. And then Vegas goes and makes the Stanley Cup final in their first season. And it like everything was just kind of like, well, I guess I was wrong about that. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's. Like people, but the crazy part now is that people are feel like they're even more in that kind of position where it's just like, screw these guys. I'm just going to root for the Kraken and call it a day. Like this, you know, at least with them, if they stink right away, I understand why. Like you, you get why if, if Seattle's bad right away. Um, you know, and, you know, Vegas set unreal expectations for, for Seattle, obviously. But, um, but at least then you know what you're getting into with the Sabres. You know what you're getting into, and there's no reason for why it's like that. Like that's that's the whole that's the whole difference there is that you're going into the season being like, yep, they're gonna stink again, and they're gonna find a new way to do it. All right, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll start a Sabers podcast together, and we'll uh, have to include <laughs> a therapist and a psychoanalyst. Okay, it's the only way we could do that job. All right, brother, let's move into these uh, these playoffs here. We are uh, one team away from uh, finishing out the semifinals, which is, for me, is still weird because it's, it's the conference finals. You know, I mean, I know things are mixed around, and you're going to have Montreal playing a Western Conference team here. Uh, but it is what it is. And let's start with um, continuing to discuss failure here, and uh, let's talk about the Leafs. First, getting swept here. Um, I mean, uh, getting beat there by the Canadians, and then the Canadians moving on and sweeping the Jets and Mark Shifley and that whole thing, and and then hearing Halibut saying that they're ready to go deep into the playoffs. And the, I mean, it's just. I mean, what are they smoking in Winnipeg? The same thing they're smoking in Toronto, Joe. What's going on? Yeah, I, I guess there's something with that Canadian air. I don't know. Maybe it's Woo, too clean. They need to get Maybe. out, man. <laughs> The, uh, the the thought that, like, I think some of the talk at Winnipeg was like they're on the brink of being a dynasty. And I'm like, wait a minute. You got you got to saying that when they went into the 11 game losing streak there towards the end. I, I mean, gee whiz, man, it's I, there's you got to have like hockey's a game. You have to play with confidence. You have to have confidence no matter what. Like you can't go in a game. You can't go into any game or a playoff series and being like, well, here we go again. Like that's that ain't gonna fly. That ain't gonna work. Um, 
And I get it. The Jets have they have reasons to be confident in their play. Shifley, when he's not running a guy from 180 feet away, um, is a great player. Blake Wheeler's an incredible player. You know, they've got some really solid play. Hellebuck's like an MVP level goalie. Um, there are some really good players there. You know, Vinny Hainola is a is a defenseman that's going to be on the way up for them. He's really good. And it's, you know, I get, like, you want to have some confidence, but man, oh man, like, you beat Edmonton, but like, that's like beating the Leafs in the first round at this point, you know, like, I mean, you, you want, like, you, you're proud of yourself because you, you took out the top two scorers in the league, but that's all they have. Like, they don't have depth yeah. forwards. They don't have any defense. They don't have any goaltending. Like, they got nothing else. Like, as long as you keep those two guys off the board. You're probably going to win. And look at what they did. They kept Dreisaitl and McDavid quiet for most of that series and or for all that series. And that was enough. And got that to a guy to in Nets and got to a guy in Nets who has a history of yeah. getting gotten in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and as well, well not only that, but Hellebuck, I said before that series began, I said, Winnipeg's got a chance if Hellebuck hulks up. And sure enough, yeah, it's exactly what happened. I, I just didn't expect Winnipeg's defense to be as stout as they were in defending against me. I was expecting every game to be a six, five game, uh, honestly, because Edmonton's offense with those two guys is incredible. And Edmonton's everything else is really bad. So, <laughs> you know, uh, so that would leave the door open for the jets. I, there is no way I would have predicted Winnipeg moving on there, but them getting blasted by Montreal, not surprised. Like, honestly, like that, you know. You got to be a like little the... surprised. Just a little, little surprised. Swept. A little, uh, little surprised. I mean, obviously the Shifley-Evans thing flips the whole series upside down because Shifley's one of their best guys. So there's no doubt about it. Offensively, uh, they just drop there. And, and that's just the tarnish on the team and, this, and, the, and the PR and everything off the ice and stuff. Look, full marks to the Habs, man. I love the oh, team. Yeah. Love what Deshaun has done with them. Uh, they've been versatile. Carey Price, I mean, Weber, it's all lining up for them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would have said they would have swept the Jets, especially what you just said, of coming off that series against Edmonton. And, yeah, you're right. It wasn't brain surgery. Maurice and the guys, they kind of clamped down on, on the only offensive threat that the, the Oilers really had, and they took care of business. And now the Oilers have a problem for the future. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. as impressive as the Habs were, I mean, I think they just shot the hell up of the Jets, too. They've got tons of problems, too. Because, and we can, you know, kind of uh, creep into the Bruins series here, series here, too. You need all three, four lines contributing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just can't have the, the top two guys or the top. It's, it's amazing, Joe, isn't it right? All these years of watching hockey, watching playoffs, and the teams that succeed, all the elements have to work, and, and a coach usually has to get all three or four lines going to make it mm-hmm. happen. And that's that's where like depth is always talked about by every single team in the league as the you know as the season goes on like how is the depth how good is the depth the depth really matters in the playoffs because it's not just and it's just not a matter of you know staying you know keeping guys healthy and having backups in case guys get injured it's not that it's being able to roll four lines and have all four lines be able to contribute because that's what it boils down to I I'll think back to like the 2011 Bruins when they won like. That, you know, that's before Pasternak comes around. You know, that's Tyler Sagan with with Bergeron and Marchand and those guys. But, you know, their their Merlot line, their fourth line was a huge contributor in that series. Like, but they they were able to run out a line every, you know, each line in that series. They were able to run at Vancouver and be able to get goals from. And that's, you know, every Chicago team, every L.A. Kings team that's won. They've all been the same way. The Penguins two years in a row. 
every line contributed. Everybody was able to chip in. Everybody was able to do something. You can think of everybody on each of these cup teams and be like, wow, they were loaded, you know, beginning to end on up front. You know, defense, like you, you can get by with a slightly subpar defense as long as your forwards are able to carry that load. But like every single cup winning team is just loaded front to back. Tampa last year, my God, it's Tampa this year. One through four is going to be able to get you. Like, yep. you know, and, you know, and their fourth line, you get a guy like Patrick Maroon, who is the ultimate sandpaper, you know, doesn't give a shit guy. Like, he'll just go out and just hammer you. Like he'll do whatever it takes, and that's amazing. Like he did it with St. Louis, <laughs> you know. And, and and you got the best goaltender in the league right there too. Right. I so says. I mean, it's it's I mean yeah, that helps. Like let's not let's not get around having having great goaltending helps. But like if you've got that if you've got that lineup that you can take advantage of a weakness in the other team, whether it's your first or your fourth line or anything in between, if you can take advantage of that weak team that that weak line or that weak you know that weak pairing or whatever it is, you can roll with that. You're you're in a really good spot. That's why Tampa's in such a good spot. Montreal and the Islanders do it differently because they do it full blown team system and and counterattack. Like that's it's not fun to watch <laughs> most times. Uh, it helps when the other team hands you the puck like Boston was doing to the Islanders most of that series. But um, you know, and Winnipeg was doing to, to Montreal, just like you know, handing off a loaf of bread. Here you go. Go, yeah. go on, you know, take it home. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a normal game and they got to lock it down, boy, it's boring. It's just, you know, they, you know, they've got, they've got their, their, like their trap set. And it's, a, everybody runs a trap. Let's not confuse with the nineties, but they get in your way. They, they clog everything up. You got to dump it into the corner to try to get around them and good luck beating them to the puck because they win every puck battle. Like that's like, it, it, well, it the- boils down the game to simplicity and it stakes, but yeah. they win. Yep. So that's that's what counts. And the way you beat the trap is multiple different looks, and that is you have to have three or four lines going mm-hmm. because you have to you have to find a way to break up the the other team's three or four lines. So I mean, the Islanders, like I said, they kind of they found a way. Man, it was close. I like I said, I think more than anything, the, the Bruins just lacked a lot of help. We'll talk about Tuka Rass for whatever the heck mm-hmm. it is. Forget about the officiating. There was a ton of chances that the uh, the Bruins just didn't finish. Pasternak is another one. You know, again, you have you have a limited amount of guys that just didn't finish, didn't show up, and you know that's you know Trotz has been doing this for a long time. And as as far as this the the tournament last year, so I mean, I think this is going to be great. And we'll just move on to this year. You know, the Bolts take care of the uh, the Hurricanes there. Uh, you know, four games to one, fun series and stuff. Um, Tampa has a way of they're not. I don't think they want to be perfect, Joe. I think they have just a fantastic squad. They have the fact that they won last year, that elephant's off their chest. They've got mm-hmm. just a stud in Vasilevsky and Net, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they've got so many different components and parts. I think for the Islanders this year, I look at this series as the Islanders being more wound up because they want that second chance again. And I think the Bolts are going to kind of, going to be even a little more relaxed and she'll not relax and being irresponsible but almost to the point where let the islanders show their faults and all the big guns and you've got stamkos down and you've got kucherov there too as well so what are you what are your thoughts in this series uh it's totally different uh the isles fan base is no doubt going to make an impact on this series they did it in the mm-hmm. Bruins series um we got fannies back in the seats in tampa bay it's a different animal um, but would you give, give me your take on this series coming up? Well, I 
I think it's going to be fascinating. First off, I mean, the bubble series last year, I mean, you know, that that's a whole different monster. That was, you know, I, I, I can't even look, I can't even really compare the two because it's, it, it's going to be different. Um, the Isles getting a healthy Tampa team to deal with is tough. <laughs> like that, this is going to be the really big test. I mean, Boston, like Boston's a big test and they passed that very well. Um, but Tampa's a different beast because, yeah, it's it's what I was saying before. It's four lines. They can crush you. And their defense is really good. <laughs> like, you you look at what they, they can do, and you've got to deal with Hedman for at least 30 minutes out of every game. And, you know, he's up for the Norris. He didn't have as great a year this year. I mean, he, you know, probably should have been Charlie McAvoy instead of Hedman in the in the Norris final, you know, the final three. Um, but, but he, you know, he's the defending Norris guy. So, like – you know he's good. You know how good he is, and he makes whoever he's paired up with better. And you know you got your guys like Sergachev. You got you know just the whole team's loaded. I love Sergachev, man. I think he's one of my favorite defensemen of all. Yeah, he's he's, he's so super steady back there, man. And you you look at you look at the way they play, and I I, I see what you're saying. Like they 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 might have the you know might ease off a little bit and be like, hey, all right, you know we're you know, we're doing good here, you know, but. You know, we won the cup last year, so we're good. I don't look at it that way. I, I see it more as a 90s Red Wings thing where, like, once the Red Wings got over that hump, that helped them cruise for two years. Gotcha. You know, because, like, 97, they, you know, they, they weren't going to be stopped in 97. Once they beat Colorado, it was just foregone conclusion. And then they get back, you know, they, they get through and, you know, they had the motivation after the limo accident, after they win the cup in 97. They were doing it for Vladdy. They were doing, you know, doing it for all those guys. And then it was just, you know, they get in the playoffs and like everything broke so that they were going to have an easier road <laughs> to get to yeah. the finals in 98. So, you know, and that's, that's, that's a big part of it for me where, you know, this is like Tampa, like everybody had the bubble issue last year where you're away from your family, you get, you know, you're locked away. You can't really have the full on enjoyment of it this year. It's like, okay, we're, you know, we've got the fans with us this time. We've got, you know, we can be with our families. We can do all this. You're, you're just like, we can really go after it this year and enjoy Better it. Better experience for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, I, I'm not, I mean, that's not necessarily a motivation, but it's a reason for them to get hyped for it. Yeah. Um, and you know, for the Islanders, it's, it, it's, it's it, facing up to a team that's got that going for them for the Islanders. It's a revenge series because they could have beaten Tampa last year. Could have. They didn't have their chance, but like when you when teams get that second crack at you the next year, it's a lot tougher. Yeah, it's a lot. It's so much tougher. And I think you know, um, again, it goes back. You know, I keep using the Red Wings as a frame of thought here, but like in two thousand nine, uh, the Red Wings beat Chicago in five in the playoffs that year, and it was like one of the closest five game series I've ever I've ever watched. Where you know it was like yeah they won in five must have been easy. No, <laughs> Chicago could have won every single one of those games, but Detroit did. And then the next year, Chicago beats Detroit in the playoffs and they carried them, like carried them right through to win the cup. So yeah. you get those moments where it's not necessarily a passing of the torch. It certainly was for Detroit at that time. There was an age Tampa's thing going case, on. There. there was an age thing, too, going on there, Joe, right? Oh, you know, yeah. When that Detroit, oh, yeah. Detroit team was kind of much older. Yeah. Tampa is still very young and solid and tight. And... Absolutely. And I, I see like with the Islanders team, like there's a lot of young guys that are really doing well. Like Beauvillier is having an incredible playoffs. Um, you know, you've got, Eber you know, Eberle's not young, but like 
he's kind of the veteran, but he's kind of young to the playoffs because of all those all those years in Edmonton. Um, so you've got a guy like that, and then you got Barzal, who's you know he was in the doghouse at the end of the at the end of the regular season. Now he's just been all right. Here he is. This this is the guy now. So and Pajot has just been unbelievable. I mean, he's he's a cult hero already on the island. So um, they've got you've got your younger guys. You've got your older guys. Like you've got your guys that have that have been around the bend, but you've got your guys that are really hungry for it. So to me, that this is what makes it such an interesting comparison. Is that you know how they're going to be able to ride the momentum and the, the, you know, the emotion changes from, from game to game, you know, depending on who wins, it's going to be really interesting to see as long as the Isles stick to their guns, they're going to be really tough to beat, but Tampa is going to be their is going to be their biggest test. Yeah. And, and deservedly. So they, they definitely earn their spot. They're, they, they, they're full marks of the Islanders for getting where they are. They deserve to be in this series with Tampa Bay. There's no doubt uh, for guys like Varley and Nets, Letty, uh, Sajak, Paul Mary, uh, there's a couple of guys on this team that are not going to be part of this organization, I think, going forward. So that's a, a motivation for these guys probably as far as the run. Uh, the Islanders, I think defensively and in nets, I think that's what's been a big, huge help here. In addition to getting guys like Nelson back uh, healthy and, and seeing Sezikis, all these different guys that have contributed putting the puck in the net, uh, the nets for the Islanders, and that's the thing that Trotz does. He's he's got three or four lines rolling. Uh, they're feisty. They're hardworking. Uh, containment. Uh, it's all kind of there. And and I I don't know if he can. I know he's on the ice, but man, that's the other thing too. You got to give the Islanders a lot of credit for Anders Lee not in the lineup. You know, mm-hmm. man, I mean, if they get past Tampa, what if he does end up? I don't know what what the state is there, but you know, you got to give them credit to doing this doing the work without him, their captain as well, too. So, look, it's it's going to be a fantastic series. There's no doubt about it. you got two great coaches. Um, I think we brought up a couple of great different elements as far as, you know, um, you know what could turn the series one way or the other. Um, you know, you talk about the Detroit teams. I think this Boston team, too, maybe the last thing we'll just say on this before we talk about uh, the big game tonight between the Avs and, and, and the Knights is, um, you know, again, we, we look at Pittsburgh getting knocked out. You look at the Bruins getting knocked out here, and, and, and you wonder where they're going to go in terms of the future and the changes. You know, the Capitals. Um, this, you know, when we go back to normal divisions, hopefully here, um, you know, next year, Joe, in the fall, and um, I, I'm really looking forward to that when we come back too and seeing how the makeup is because the Metro division then may become very ripe for teams like Carolina, um, mm-hmm. the Rangers, the Islanders, and maybe quietly enough the Devils too. Uh, over the next three or four years because of the changes of, the, of teams like Boston, um, Pittsburgh, and, and, and the Capitals kind of having to make some big changes here. And Philadelphia, too. We don't even know what to get from them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how this breaks down because, you know, the, I mean, the Metro has is, is, is been a beast for the last few years. I mean, you know, Carolina's rise kind of made that made that happen. And, you know, Columbus doing as well as they did for for a few seasons made the made the metro really interesting it was really yeah. honestly one of the toughest divisions in hockey yep. you know whereas you got you know the the atlantic division where it's three teams and then a jumble of garbage <laughs> basically <laughs> you know you got you got boston you got tampa and you got uh well you know maybe it was two teams and a bunch have been a bunch of teams yeah. that might be in or out but like you get montreal like you know florida's a lot better now so, you know, t- you know, Tampa and, and the Panthers are looking to, to kind of take over there. Now, Montreal is going to get hot and think that they're going to be able to to stay up top and stay high. But 
I don't know if they will. This has a very 2010 feel, this Montreal run, where it convinces them that they're doing things the right way. And I don't know if they are. I don't I don't, oh, I don't, I don't know, pal. I think these Habs are for real, buddy, know. especially in the future. Suzuki, I Campbell. Don't know. Uh, not I can't know about that. Coffee, but like, I apologize. When, when you look to the future, though, like Ottawa's gonna, Ottawa's not going to be bad forever. They've got no. a ton of great young guys coming up. They're going to be a lot better soon. Um, Detroit, you know, well, let's see what happens when when Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider get 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 over on this side of the ocean and and get playing for them. And some of these other guys that they've been able to to pick from, you know, you know, Bergeron and a hand, there's a handful of other young guys that they're really high on that are just kind of cooking in Europe. And when they come over here, if they're difference makers, Detroit's going to be a lot better. You know, yeah. as long as they keep Dylan Larkin around, like they're going to be, like, talking, they're gonna be fine. I love it. Can't wait for this next year. So, so like, you know, like that's, I see that going and like, you know, Buffalo and eh, whatever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, you know, Toronto, oh, Toronto's a team. I forgot. How can I forget Toronto? How can I forget Toronto? So you got Boston. Tampa, because they make you three. forget them. That's why yeah. Joe. Right. Yeah, it's true. They did. Well, being this close to Toronto, it's they're kind of unforgettable because it never shuts up across the border. But it's um, Joe, real quick, man. I, I, this is a bad one this year. I mean, granted, Tavares and everything else, but man, this this is getting old. God bless the Leafs fans to keep going, come back for them. But this is getting old, and you just talked about this division getting tougher, and the conference. I mean, oh man, they're they're in trouble, man. I really think I, they're in trouble. I'm not I'm not sold on that. Like it this has all the makings of, of them making a panic deal of like we gotta change this up. Simmons now. is gonna go, right? Thornton's gonna go, right? Felino's gonna go, right? So I mean I don't know, maybe Simmons for another shambles. year. Like, I mean Thornton's probably gonna retire. I mean, that happens. Nick Felino probably can't afford him. Probably can't afford to keep him around because he got forty five percent of their cap dedicated probably, yeah, to probably four guys. to dump Nylander, right? Somebody <laughs> So I mean, I mean they got they got problems. Like if they want to get rid of salary, I mean I guess you got to make a deal. I mean I know everybody wants to run Mitch Marner out of town on a rail, but who's who's taking who's taking that money on? No, nobody's going to take that money on. Don't know. Like, you're not making. You're not. Nobody's making that deal. Like I don't. Maybe you call Calgary and say, hey, we know Matthew Kachuk has a really high qualifying offer coming in the next year or two. Why don't we just trade Marner for him? And they're gonna I, Calgary will tell him to go screw. I would hope, but uh, um, but I mean, I I don't know how you sell anybody on Marner right now. I, I think you almost have to send Marner to some place where it's quiet, so he can just go and score and not have the the blazing bright light of of Toronto. The well, Toronto that's, that's Calgary with Coach Sutter, no doubt about it. Come on, now. <laughs> yeah, on I'm now. sure he would love scoring a goal Marner. for me. Please try and win the game, Coach Sutter. Hey, no, he's He's trying. <laughs> I'd score. Need him to score. That's it. That's the, that's the worst Sutter impression I'll ever do. But, I, I mean, love it, man. But like, I mean, like, but really, like, send Martin to to Phoenix or something. Like, you know, ask for I don't know. I don't know who you. I don't even know who you add. I don't know how you even you pull that we, off. Because we can't figure it so out much. here today, Joe. This is not going to happen. But that, that's the thing. Like people in Toronto are like, oh, Marner for Eichel straight up. And I'm like, yeah, I'm yes, sure the Sabres want to send Jack Eichel to their bitter rival. Sure. <sighs> sure. They'd be very excited to do that. Too much. All right. Look, I know you have a Blue Jays game to go to. So before I let <laughs> you go, the big game tonight, man, uh, Pete DeBoer, these nights, uh, that overtime win the other night, I didn't see this coming, but 
man, bravo. Uh, I think Marc-Andre Fleury is definitely the difference since he went back in the Nets, just giving these guys a fighting chance. Full marks to the Knights here. Uh, I, Man, in Vegas tonight, I don't know how Rado does it. It's, it's amazing, Joe, how I'm just going to speak from my own personal opinion here. From a team that I thought was just going to be so hard to get knocked out mm-hmm. and, and, and a perennial Stanley Cup favorite. And obvious if they win tonight and then win game seven, hell yeah, you better look out for the Colorado Avalanche. But man, right. the Knights are about to kick them to the curb tonight. Talk yeah. about this series. I tell you, I, I thought Colorado was going to roll the way they started. I mean, you know, obviously game one was a little different because they because Vegas started Leonard instead of Flurry because they wanted to give Flurry a little bit of a breather after the you know after the first round, and you know everybody thought this was going to become a goalie controversy kind of thing. No, like no Flurry. If you watch the first round, you know Flurry's the guy for him, but like you, but he's older, so you got to give him a little bit of a breather. But gee whiz, man! Like and he gave up that that first really soft goal in the last game and you're just like, uh Oh, is old flurry back tonight? No, no, he was not. <laughs> no. Cause he shut the door the rest of the game and it's, I'm staggered by how much Vegas has really just jumped on Colorado in the series because I figured Colorado was going to be able to blaze through and use their speed to their advantage and be able to take over. But man, Mark stone, Mark stones, maybe one of my favorite players in the league. Absolutely love that player. And he's, I mean, he scores the clutch goals all the time, but he's frigging great defensively. My God, like I, I'm happy he finally got a Selkie, uh, another finalist spot this year. I think he got it last year too, but um, but he should win one. One of these one of these days, he's got to win one because he's that good. And he um, he and the and, you know Pacioretty comes back and he's good and he's rolling. And how much do you think Pacioretty's licking his chops at the chance to oh. play Montreal in the next round? Like, oh, my goodness. Storylines, Joe. Right. So, Storylines. Like, we love him here. <laughs> right. So, But, like, if this thing goes seven, would not be shocked. Like, if Colorado is able to, to punch him back and, and get him back tonight, would not be shocked in the least. And then game seven, boy, that's appointment watching. Sit down in front of the TV all, all night and watch that game because, whew. It's the, the whole series has been a joy. The whole series has been an absolute joy to watch. And oh, yeah, like see it, seeing one of these teams get watered down by Montreal. The next round is going to stink yeah. because it's not going to live up to the hype. Like, can we can we at least happen. can we we at least say this? And I'm going to be as kind as I can to Costa when he comes on later. But ah, <laughs> uh, and, and I love the Habs. I love this team. I love what they've done. I love it. And man, if they they, I just don't see them. Because I think you bring up a great point. This series between the Knights and the Avs reminds me of the brutal Kings Hawk series years, a few mm. years back, where mm-hmm. not only was the skill level on just you know eleven, twelve, but the hitting and the hitting. There's not a lot of cheap shot stuff going on here. You don't hear any real stuff coming out of this series, like the garbage you heard in, in the Bruins series, what we saw in the Winnipeg series with the Habs and stuff like that. Um, and you didn't hear too much of it out of the Tampa Hurricane series too. This series, you just have elite players just going back and forth. Two great coaches here as well, too, and it's something else. But, man, Rantanen, Landeskog, um, McKinnon, what um, Vegas has been able to do to them in the last couple of games here. It's just been something else. Look, it's a clean slate tonight. The Avs know what they got to do, you know, mm-hmm. and it's and it's a goaltender. That goal that Stone scored on Grubauer, I mean, maybe 
if, if, if Stone tries to score that goal 20 times, Grubauer probably stops him 19 times. Yeah. It's just, there's just a perfect pitch and a throw uh, in that element. But, man, just um, I, I love this because I love when another team totally just – it's even bigger to me, Joe, than the Habs and what they've done against Edmonton and Winnipeg. Seeing seeing the Knights flip this series around has just been unbelievable. Yeah, and it shows why these two teams have been are the top two in the playoffs like that by by points. Anyways, it, it proves everything about how good these teams were all season long. I mean, I mean, Colorado was my pick to win it, you know, to win the cup, you know, when this when the playoffs started, because I figured it's going to take a lot for somebody to knock them off. And I think that Vegas was close to get knocked off by Minnesota. Yeah, too. Like that's the that's the wild part because <laughs> the wild part. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but the uh, but like the wild were playing great at the end of the year too. Like if they had beaten Vegas, it would have been like, yeah, I get it. Like I totally understand. Um, but Vegas has just turned it on. Like it, they 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 needed that that first game to get kicked in the teeth to be like, all right, we spotted you one. Now we're gonna take you down. Like that's that's kind of how it's been. Like they they spotted them a win in game one, and they've rolled ever since. And it's not because it's not because they're dismantling Colorado. It's not that they're just outplaying them. Like yeah. it happens. Like it's just that happens sometimes. Yeah, and you know what? The Habs rooting for uh, four overtimes tonight in the game seven, and the Knights know with all the miles you put on the skates in, in a tough series like this, they want to wrap this thing up tonight and get some rest mm-hmm. here before they take on the Habs and. Uh, it's it's going to be something else, one way or the other. Whichever team comes out of this series is just going to be great. But um, I tell you, Joe, it's it's certainly been fun. Um, what what do you, what are you calling tonight? Who do you think takes it? I, I like Colorado to push it to seven, honestly. Nice. And well, I'm sure I, I'm sure by the time people hear this, they're going to be like, ah, like sucker or man, he was right. So either way, either way, I'm sorry. What are you or, talking about? I'm going to have this edited and out before the game. Come on. I'm talking people when they listen to it, like over oh, the weekend and they're going to okay. be like, Hey, yeah, worry, whatever. But anybody <laughs> who listens to it today, they're going to be like, all right, cool. We're pumped now. We're ready. <laughs> but if they listen to it later on, then either you're either I'm an idiot or I'm a genius. So nah, you're, you're a genius. I've been called friends. both lately, so it's fine. You are the best, Joe. <laughs> hey, look, man, we got hockey to watch tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun, and that's great. And you are the goods, my friend, as always, here on THS. Joe, thanks so much, brother. Enjoy the game. I'll see you on the Twitter later, and have a wonderful it, weekend, boy. pal. All right? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Sounds good, brother. Take care, man. Joe Young, good. as always, and from Buffalo to Vegas, this guy's the goods. And THS... Rosa! All right. It's time now to... No, wait. We're not going to Chicago. We're going to sunny Florida, baby. To hang out with our THS buddy, Mr. Tab Bamford. Tab, what's going on? You hanging out with the lightning? What's the story? Uh, I'm not partying as, as long as they are right now. Uh, after rolling two really good teams... Uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're celebrating a wedding anniversary post pandemic in beautiful Naples, Florida. So uh, close enough to hear the parties in Tampa, but not necessarily take part in them yet. Well, congratulations, pal. Yeah, you know, beat the over under by fourteen and a half. So I guess that's positive. <laughs> well, life is good. The fabulous life of Tab Bamford, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. All right, buddy. So, Only um, the Maple Leafs I made it out of the first weekend. 
<laughs> I guess we should start there, pal. Uh, Monday night, uh, Leafs Nation uh, world came to a, uh, a screeching halt there again. Um, you got to love the Habs, what they're doing here. You know, again, you know, uh, just the way they've been playing, mixing things up here. Um, great hell of a comeback. And then obviously taking care of Shifley and the Jets and Paul Maurice and everybody else there. But um, just give us your take there of, of, of the Leafs collapse there. And, and what do you think of this uh, this Canadian team that's uh, going to play a team from the Western Conference, as we would say, uh, two mountain cities, one of them. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well, too. First time that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm. look, it's... Uh... I think if you were in the marketing department of the National Hockey League, the Austin Matthews Connor McDavid matchup was the sex appeal that you were praying for, and you ended up with uh, Mark Shifley against uh, Carey Price, and then Shifley got the, the boot early, uh, and the fight in Carey Price as Shea Weber's uh, rolled Winnipeg. Uh, the Jets were grounded, if you will, so. Look, it's been really impressive what, what they're doing in Montreal. For as much as I say that Toronto-Edmonton would have been the sex appeal matchup, you can't argue with having an original six team in the Final Four. That's great for the game. It's great for Montreal. I think you know we've seen some great goalies get this close to a championship. Lundqvist got a, a taste of the final. Pecorine got a taste of the final. I think everybody would like to see Carey Price get to a cup final and then see what happens when the lights are, are brightest. Um, and he's in the final four, so let's give him full marks for that because he was he was dominant against Winnipeg. Uh, you know, I think the start of the Toronto series wasn't quite what Montreal had hoped for, but since being down 3-1, they have not lost a game. So, can't take anything away from what, what's going on with Montreal. And the f- good news for Montreal is that they get to sit around, get healthy, twiddle their thumbs, uh, get some extra ice time in, and wait for the winner of Colorado Vegas to show up. And those two teams keep beating the heck out of each other. So uh, Montreal is going to be sitting patiently by, waiting for a f- grueling series to either go six or seven uh, and then have to hoof it to Montreal and it's not a not a short flight for either one of those cities. So, uh, you know, I think it, it lines up well for Montreal. Uh, I'd say on paper they don't stack up well against Vegas or Colorado, but we've said that in the first two series, and here they are in the final four. So full props to the Habs for showing out so far. Yeah, and, you know, getting back to the marketing uh, thing there in the NHL, I mean, if you're all going to have a Canadian city in the final four, Montreal is not a bad one to have, and I I would have to say too, you know the way uh, the Canadians have been rolling here since you know um, you know 2014, 13, 14, 15 there when they were going back and forth with the Rangers and and stuff like that in the conference finals and everything like that. This is probably a, a great rejuvenation not only for you know it's great for the fans and everything, uh, and obviously Mark Bergevin's job here and, and Ducharme you know uh, obviously proving himself a little bit here as well too. But I think it's um. This is this is huge for the fran- for for the franchise, I should say too. 
as far as their credibility. This is a great young team, man. Um, you yeah. got to love Suzuki. you got to love Caulfield. you got to love what's going on. you they got Weber in there. You've got even an older guy, Perry, here con- contributing. You've got old man Price in the, ni- in the Nets now, like you said earlier, just playing really damn well. So they're going to be entertaining. I don't know if they're going to have a shot either against Colorado or or Vegas uh, eventually when they get there just because of the way these two teams are playing. And, and Tab, you know these series very well. I think this Colorado Knight series is very much like the old Kings-Hawks series when they were trading Stanley Cups uh, a few years ago go as well yeah it is and you're right like with Montreal it's I think what's fun about that team is the balance of the old and the young I mean you look at their leading their two leading scorers in the series are speaking of the old Kings Blackhawks series Tyler Toffoli uh, and Nick Suzuki and uh, you know we've talked throughout these playoffs on the show about different guys who are you know have an opportunity to kind of emerge in as there are fewer teams playing and kind of take that next step into league-wide prominence, get some national attention. And I think Nick Suzuki is doing that with Montreal. I think there was a lot of hype around Cole Caulfield coming out of college, um, and I think a lot of people were talking him up. Uh, Suzuki's a good player. I think if you watch Montreal, you certainly know what he brings to the table. But I think if you didn't get a chance to see a lot of Montreal this year just because of the way that things were set up, with uh, with the teams in Canada staying there, uh, you know he's a guy that you might not have understood the the level of skill. So I love seeing Suzuki blow up, but you know going to the Colorado Vegas series, you're right. I mean it's a knockdown drag out, old school punch you in the mouth series. It's and we talked about this last week. You know that series and the Boston Islanders series were two series that I think if you took that game film and dropped it into any of the last three or four decades, you'd probably buy that it was happening then. Um, Just the way that they were hitting each other, beating each other up, barking at each other, barking at the officials, sometimes whining too much at the officials, Butch Cassidy. Um, But you gotta, you gotta love when, you know, you've got two teams that set up against each other so well in every element of the game. You've got good goaltending, good blue line, good forwards, good coaching, and it's just the littlest bit of difference that leads one team to a win over the other. And you're right. Like when you think back to the way that Chicago and Vancouver a little bit at the beginning of the decade, and then it kind of emerged into Chicago, LA so many times in the middle of that decade, that's what you're seeing right now. And that is teams that are built to play a certain way, looking at themselves in the mirror uh, and having overcome effectively themselves. And, um, you know, looking at the Islanders going to another Final Four, you know, I think if Barry Trotz can take a third team to a Stanley Cup Final, I'd already, I would already put him in the Hall of Fame. But if he takes a third franchise to a, a Stanley Cup Final, I think he's a, he's a lock for the Hall. But you've got a couple coaches on the other side of the coin here with Vegas and Colorado who I think are still kind of, elevating their individual brand around the league and they're doing a marvelous job and full marks to Vegas because when we talked a week ago it was you know everybody wants to see Colorado against Tampa because no one's going to stop either one of them well Vegas has pulled the safety break on the avalanche pretty hard and pretty quick here and it's been really impressive to see them just completely flipped the narrative in that series 180 degrees 
as quickly as they did uh, because everybody thought that they were they were done uh, after the first two games and they've been clearly the more dominant of the two teams uh, in the last three. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it, it. I think Mark andre Flory being placed back in this series, too, is huge. Um, you know, you can chalk up that first game, uh, the blowout there, and Leonard getting the start and everything else. But I've really been impressed with uh, the flower, as they call him. His At his age, he's still incredibly acrobatic, uh, keen, watching. I think he's been a huge part of this uh, turnaround for the Knights in, in, in the series. They've got all the elements up front. DeBoer's done a great job. And when you look at the other side there and Rantanen and McKinnon and Landeskog uh, and all that talent, and and then it gets to become a goaltending duel here a little bit between Grubauer and Flurry. Um, and and Gru's great, and Flurry's got the experience, man. But uh, I think Flurry's just on a little bit of a, another high right now, Tab, especially turning the series around. And the other two things, too, in this series, man, is, is the fan base has just been incredible. The energy um, that's back in the buildings. And we'll get into the uh, Islander Bruins series here in a little bit, too. But I think that's a pretty—as as talented as the Avs are and as strong as they've been this whole season, that's one hell of a job tonight in Vegas that they got to pull off. Yeah, well, and you're right. I, in, it, it feels absolutely insane to consider— that DeBoer may have run Leonard out there in game one uh, just to give Flurry a blow. And, like, results be damned. Let's just see what happens. But I, I, I have to give Flurry a night off because that first series against Minnesota was uh, as physical. I mean, look, it went, it went the distance. Mm-hmm. It was brutal back and forth and flurry had to play his tail off to get out of that one. And so the fact that, you know, he gets a day and comes back, you know, this is where you start to see legends develop and, you know, plaques for Toronto start to be written. And I think the job that flurry has done in this postseason to have a nine twenty five save percentage through 11 games at his age is ridiculous. Um, you've got other old, older goaltenders who came in having had really strong regular seasons, you know, and, you know, again, all love in the world to carry price for what he's doing with a sub two goals against and a 935 safe percentage. But you look at some of the other guys that were in it, Mike Smith, I think he, he played a lot better than the Owen four record would tell you. Tuka Rask, I think it, we're not going out on a limb saying that physically he just didn't have it anymore at the end of the series. Mm-hmm. He was fighting an uphill battle. You know, Craig Anderson got in a couple games and, and played well, but the older guys aren't bringing it the way that some of the younger guys are, and that's just the nature of professional sports. You know, we're all lining up to watch Spencer Knight in the first round, and uh, Nadelkovic from Carolina and Sorokin, everybody after the first round, everybody wants to watch him. And, you know, we're, we're shipping Varlamov off to see, but Flurry's just, I mean, he's a dude. He's, yeah. he's just a dude. Like, he he's, absolutely is, like we, I think we take for granted that this guy was flipping out, <laughs> stoning the Red Wings 
to hold the puck out and preserve a Stanley Cup championship 12, 13 years ago? This, like, think about that. Like, Spencer Knight was in what, third grade when Marc Andre Fleury won his first <laughs> Stanley Cup? Seriously, like, he was born in 2001. So, yeah, he was probably in like fifth grade. So Spencer Knight's, you know, not even cracking middle school yet when Marc-Andre Fleur is doing his thing. And now Spencer Knight's at home watching Marc-Andre Fleury on TV, just like he was then. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, the if we're handing out the hardware for the most important, I hate saying most valuable, most important player in the postseason to date, um, you know, I think a good case can be made for Brock Nelson, and we'll, we'll dig in on the Islanders here in a second. But, mm-hmm. but how do you not give it to Mark Andre Fleury? I don't know. Yeah, he's just been uh, he's just been super. It's and it's great to see um, because the guy's going through so much, the ups and downs and everything, and um, you know, uh, it, it's and you know, you you pull for a guy like that sometimes, Tab too. I mean, you know, depend no matter who you. You know, if you look at the, I mean, obviously Vegas and, and Colorado are going to finish this script either tonight or, or on Friday, or whenever the uh, game seven is there on Saturday, whatever the heck it is. But um, you know, you you look at the story of Carey Price and, and the Canadians. You look at Varlamov. I think you bring a great point up of, of of how he took the mantle back from Sorokin, and and you know the Islanders here too. And we'll get into the series in a little bit. And then obviously, um, you know, look at Tampa. I Vasilevsky to me is hands down pound for pound. He's the best goalie in the league. Um, you know, as far as uh, Tampa, I, I just what I, I just don't know. There's just something phenomenal about. Him. Maybe we can kind of spin into the to the bolts right now uh, and talk about the, this series about the Canes and, and and what you think their outlook is going towards uh, you know playing the Islanders here um, and this series. And I mean, I think the the bolts here are kind of scary. They they won last year. Uh, I brought it up there that maybe they go in a little more relaxed, not lazy, but and they've got everybody pretty much healthy. I mean, just talk about the the bolts uh, coming out of that series and, and and then maybe we can kind of lead into what we're going to see here against the Islanders after the uh after the Bruins series. Yeah, I mean th- think think about this for a second. The Tampa's played 11 games in their two series. They've got five guys averaging a point a game, which is ludicrous. Um <laughs> You know, when you when you think about what it takes to to put stuff up, Nikita Kucherov didn't play the entire regular season. The the kids got eighteen points in eleven games. Like in, in you know, that's I think if people are voting for the most valuable player, the the sex appeal award. I think if Tampa runs the table right now, Kucherov is the easy pick to click to take that hardware home because he's just been so dominant and I understand why people complain about the salary cap free playoffs because they were able to let him get fully healthy and take the entire regular season off and then drop a you know heart trophy caliber player into an already dangerous lineup just for shits and giggles like what are we doing here um so and he looks like he played all year and he's got the freshest legs of his career so that's a scary proposition um you know, for Carolina, again, it was kind of what we talked about with the Panthers. Joel Quinville summed it up perfectly for both of those teams, and that is young team that's learning how to win against a team that knows what it takes. And 
Carolina needed to go up against a juggernaut. And the, the fun thing is that those three teams, they won't be in the Central next year, but they're still going to have to look at each other for the next few years. Mm-hmm. Now, all three teams, the Panthers, Hurricanes, and Lightning, I think are in different circumstances when it comes to cap, uh, when it comes to some of the age issues that they've got on the roster, and also when you look at the outlook for what Seattle's going to do to their roster when they come in and poach somebody and what they've got to do. I think Florida, I hope Florida learns from the debacle that was the Vegas expansion draft when they just, I Florida might have a Stanley cup right now if they'd handled the Florida expansion draft better than they did. That was a literally a franchise narrative shifting debacle for the Florida Panthers, the way that the expansion draft played out with Vegas um, but those three teams will lose someone. Uh, there are other free agents. I think Dougie Hamilton's the elephant in that room that need to be dealt with as well. But all three of them are positioned to be really, really good and make really deep runs in the playoffs for the next three, five years easily. Um, but obviously health is a big issue there. Um, and you got to have depth. So, It'll be interesting to see how all three of those teams play it out, but you're right, like Tampa's just rolling right now, and Vasilevsky just looks, I mean, he's back to being scary. Like, you, I, I would imagine if you're the Islanders and you're sitting back game planning for them, you're more concerned with how are we going to beat Vasilevsky than how are we going to slow down their offense. Because at the end of the day, you've got to score more than the other team does. And what makes a team like Tampa so hard to play against is you try to you focus so much of your time and effort and energy on slowing their offense down that you forget that you actually have to score more goals than they do. Yeah, like you can't like a moral victory is a zero zero regulation. It's not a, you don't win a game in the series. Um, and so this is where it becomes great. This is where it becomes fun. I don't think Tampa goes into this series against the Islanders complacent or comfortable at all because they played the Islanders in the conference final last year. And they know that Barry Trotz is coaching out of his mind right now. Yeah. Uh, He, he Barry Trotz screwed the Boston Bruins into the ground. Um, Just he manipulated every element of that series to perfection. And so, yeah, I'm a huge Barry Trotz fan. I'd put him in the hall of fame tomorrow if I was able to, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's, what's going to be fun is I think you've got, you know, you've got a tank and a fighter jet and which one's going to prevail. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how those two teams tactically attack each other and how the Islanders are able to try to slow down Tampa and still again, have to score more goals than Tampa does, but they got a great warm up in Boston because that Boston team is no slouch. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, maybe the, you know, and this gets back to with Tampa and the Islanders, and I think you know, uh, in in years past in the history of the NHL, you always like to see two teams that you know going to war together. You know, they call it this is semifinals, but you know, it's the conference finals still to to a lot of us older guys are still watching this. It doesn't matter; it's the final four. This is the chance to go to the dance here. 
you know, both of these teams can roll four lines. Both of these teams have pretty good, uh, solid defense, of course, too. Um, you know, the Islanders between Pellick and Pulak here, the young kids kind of, um, you know, standing up here, too. Uh, the Islanders get uh, goal scoring from everybody. Uh, Zajac and Palmieri are contributing, you know, from the trade as best as they can. They're also doing all this without their captain, Anders Lee, who is uh, an integral part of this team. Um, they've been able to switch from Sorokin to Varlamov, and he's just been stellar back there. And you have a lot of things going, and the Islanders get, you know, whether it's Barzell or it's Nielsen or Sezikis, um, they're getting scoring from all different aspects of it. John Cooper knows this. He's similarly got multiple lines. He's got most, multiple assets here, you know, uh, defensively too strong. Look, uh, you know, on the Nets, we just talked about it. You know, this series ultimately may just come down to special teams, you know, mistakes and um and and the fan bases. And I might give the advantage to the Islanders fan base here because man, oh. you know you know me, man, I'm a I'm a Rangers fan here. There's nothing like going to see a game at the garden, especially when the Rangers in the playoffs. There's nothing like it. Uh it's equally as loud. But I have to give full marks to my Long Island brothers and sisters out here who have just definitely represented. They've made a huge impact on this. They're a lot of fun. Uh, if you've been watching this game, uh, these games, this this series, uh, it's been super. And one thing on this two tab, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, Rado and the Knights going out of here too, a very tough series, uh, brutal series. Like I said, we talked about Chicago and the Kings. There's not a lot of garbage coming out of that series. You have two very high-skilled, high-energy, big teams out of the Western Conference there. You got a lot of nonsense and garbage out of the Winnipeg Canadian series. No disrespect to the, the Habs winning that, but you also got a lot of garbage here on this on the Islanders and, and the Bruins side, the officiating, uh, whining, complaining, this and that, and everything else. And I think that maybe puts a little tarnish on it. But for the theatrics, for the drama of it, which I think helps a, a, a fan base like the Islanders and a team like the Islanders uh, kind of benefit a little bit. Maybe uh, a touch on that and what you what you what you take from the Islanders more than anything. Um, as far as, you know, the, the two fan bases here that might maybe pitch one thing one way or the other, because I think they definitely got into the Bruins psyche here when they played in the Island. No, oh, absolutely. They did. And look, I think when you talk about, you know, the drama and, and, you know, kind of that love affair that you get when you go through a Stanley cup playoffs each year, every once in a while you have one of those, Disney stories that writes itself as you go. And I think the Disney story that a lot of people are starting to fall in love with in these playoffs is that we don't know when the last game will be played in the Nassau Coliseum, but it will be the last game that the Islanders play in it this year. And the fact that they just keep pushing demolition day back and keep winning games in the way that the fans are packing that place out and just going bananas is awesome. And you're right. That, that I'd say of the remaining barns, like, and we have to put the caveat that Canada's not opening the doors yet for Montreal, so I'm not taking anything away from Habs fans in saying this, but of the remaining fan bases, nobody touches what the Coliseum's going to bring. Nobody. And I think it's because of the history element there. So that that's definitely going to be a game changer. You can hear from the players that they're feeding off of it. Um, you know, I think one of the interesting nuggets, uh, the NHL's PR Twitter handle shared uh, earlier today. Um, and I think that this is something that could be, a, a you know, a potential game changer for the Islanders. Uh, the Islanders are the third different team 
in the history of the playoffs to feature a different goaltender winning all four in consecutive series. So Philly did it in 76 and 80, and the last time a team had a different goaltender win four games in back-to-back series in the postseason was Montreal in 87. Wow. So 34 years ago was the last time a team had different goaltenders win a series and win all four games in the series. So take that with the idea, you know, what we were talking about with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard a few minutes ago. I think Barry Trotz can confidently go with either guy Yeah, right now. And he rolled with the veteran, I think, against Boston, and it paid off. Um, But look, you know, I think you're right. Like some of these series have had little chippiness going on. I think there's been physical battles that have played out on the ice. There have been battles that have played off through the media. You know, obviously the Reeves situation with Colorado is one thing. Um, And the way that those two teams have been whacking each other around, I think the Winnipeg-Montreal thing was an animal of its own. Um, But what I appreciate, and again, full note here that I'm a huge Barry Trotz guy, but I think, again, Barry Trotz just screwed Boston to the ground. I think Cassidy was just, I think he knew that his goaltender wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. and he knew that Barry Trotz had figured him out and figured his team out, and he was desperately trying to find any inch that he could grab left. And when you start whining about the officiating, you're trying to get a call. You're trying to balance the scales. And Barry Trotz very nonchalantly said, I mean, I appreciate that that's what he thinks, but we were the least penalized team in the league this year, so this isn't like something that's out of character, us not having stuff called against us. We don't do dumb junk. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, he just pretty much got planted by, by trots and that one back and forth for a day. So, you know, it's, it, it, I, you've got really good coaches sitting there waiting to see what happens. Um, and for my money, the best one that's sitting there still is Barry trots. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens, but there are, folks that are playing for redemption. There are folks that are playing for one last crack at it. You know, some of the old timers that are, that are making one last run. I loved Lou Lamarillo uh, saying that he hopes, I think it was Lou that said on behalf of, uh, on behalf of the devils that he, no, it wasn't Lou. Um, but the GM of the devils said he hopes that they're the pick that the first rounder that they got in the Zajac Palmieri deal is the 32nd pick. <laughs> Because he, he, he wants to see those guys that gave so much of themselves to the Devils for so many years, he wants them to go get one. And I think that's that's pretty cool. Like, you've got a yeah. team on the other side of the border, like neighbors, rivals that have made pretty significant deals. I mean, when you consider what Andy Green and Travis Zajac and Kyle Palmieri meant to the New Jersey Devils for years. Yeah that they would get traded out in back-to-back seasons to the Islanders. And then what they've meant to that, to the Islanders in two straight postseasons. Um, you know, I appreciate the, the professional courtesy and the character from Jersey saying that they hope that they go get one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the, these playoffs have been great because you get a little chippy, you get a little personality. Um, you get some just stupidity. 
you get some desperation, and then you've just got really good hockey across the board. So it's been it's been a lot of fun to watch, and you know we've got a, a potential knockout game tonight. So we may know what the uh, we may know the fourth of the final four, or we will get what everyone loves, and that is a game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And if I if I were going to spend my money, I'd want to see Vegas and Colorado go the distance because that's <laughs> been a really fun series. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now, you got a prediction for tonight? What are you calling for tonight? Uh, I'm going to go four three Colorado in overtime. Ooh, oh man, don't! Say and I'm going to go. Uh, and I'm going to go Macar with the. I'm going to go Macar with the Bucci overtime challenge. Uh, <laughs> GWOTGWG. I'm going to go Macar for the win. Uh, write it down. Put it in pen. Uh, if you if you do the 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 gambling thing, kids, we'll give out the PayPal at the end of the show. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm going Kale McCarr with the OTGWG 4-3 Colorado, and we get a game seven. All right, I like it. Look, Tab, one thing I, I do want to ask you before I let you go, and that's um, Steve Stamkos here real quick. Obviously, uh, you know, you're doing the Central Division with me here all season long. And, you know, talking about a guy like Stamkos, you know, guys that came into, you know, guys like, you know, who, who's had to play, I don't know, in the shadows, but, you know, when you, got, you have guys like Jonathan Taze and Kane, and you you get you see uh, like some of the other big stars in the league, whether it's uh, you know seeing the shadows of um, you know other teams winning the playoffs and other guys in the drafts and everything else. He gets the ring last year. He gets that that fun shift, but he wasn't really an integral part of the whole. You know, he's been great there as part of being the face of the franchise, being part of uh, obviously getting them into the playoffs. Where do you where do you see this for for Stamkos personally getting a chance now? You know, and I know he's been there in the past when when they've gotten there, uh, as far as you know, conference finals and, and Stanley Cup finals before. But what do you what do you see Stamkos here as far as the importance for him, his legacy, um, in, in playing in this series, and, and where this could be for him if he's not only able to get through this, get through the Islanders, maybe win the championship and hoist that thing over his head again, and kind of almost be able to look back and say, I, I did it from beginning to end here. Obviously, a little break here, a little bit with injuries and stuff. But he's in the lineup now. He has a chance to be up there with guys like Crosby and Ovechkin and stuff who've uh, you know raised the cup over their head and a couple of times or, or like I said, have done the full bar. I think you know what I'm getting at here. So I want to get your take here on what this means for Samkos. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a guy who has a 60-goal season on his resume. I think a lot of people forget. I mean, it's been nine years, but a lot of people forget how good he was. I mean, he, he started his career with seasons of 23, 51, 45, and 60 goals. Um, and then you get injuries start chipping away at him. And he spends a couple years missing basically half of, two years and then he he gets his body right in 14 15 um and the production isn't quite what it was before the injuries you know 72 points in 82 games i don't think anybody's going to sneeze at that but uh you know he takes a really young tampa bay team to a stanley cup final and again to you know bring that old uh, quote from quinville back yet again that Tampa Bay Lightning team ran into the the dynasty Blackhawks and they didn't know what it took and Chicago won a third. Yep. And 
we've talked about this on the show before. Most people, I think, around the league looked at that Tampa team with, you know, Kucherov and Kalorn and Johnson and just so many dynamic young players around Stamkos and said that Stamkos isn't going to have to carry the mail by himself anymore. And the next dynasty in the National Hockey League is in Tampa. And Stamkos is going to lead it there. And then, you know, 16, 17, he just, again, 17 games played. He's been able to play most of the last, I think, four seasons. So the health narrative hasn't really been there. But when you talk about Steven Stamkos, I think the fact that it's been seven or eight years where health has been the story with him, uh, more than it probably should be if you look at the games played and the production that he's been able to put up. You know, the you know it's almost a, a joke at this point. Like, you know, Steven Stamkos is going to get hurt at some point. He'd rather be October than May. Yeah. But he's been healthier than I think a lot of people say. But you make a, a really strong point in that he wasn't really a big factor in the playoff run a year ago. And they didn't win it in front of any fans. They went into a vacuum. They went into a bubble. And a different, unique animal. Let's not take anything away from the stresses of being stuck in a in a bubble for as long as they were to win a championship. But, mm-hmm. you know, he. I think this is where you start to raise your career narrative. This is a guy that's played at an MVP level. He no longer has to carry this team. But now he's healthy. He's 31 years old. He's been. He, he's played almost 850 regular season games. He's almost scored 450 regular season goals. But I think the thing that everybody wants to see is him have a complete playoffs where he is a, he doesn't have to be the 60 goal guy that he was nine, 10 years ago, but they want to see um, a, strong, not, I don't want to use the word contributor because that feels like it's minimizing that he's there. He's not a third line grinder. Um, But I think they want to see him be a difference maker Mm -hmm. on a team that wins a Stanley cup. And, you know, the narrative around Crosby was he needed a second. Um, You know, Ovi's got one. I think, if Stamkos can win a second one and be a, a viable offensive part of that equation, it changes, I think, the the historical perception of Steven Stamkos from a guy that was offensively dominant when he was young and injuries took a little something away and then he was able to kind of tag along with the Kucherov train mm-hmm. to a guy who made a difference and let's just be absolutely clear the guy's got 13 points in 11 playoff games so far this postseason which is the same number that Nathan McKinnon and Peugeot have like this is he's he's one of the five top point producing players in these playoffs he's back to looking like a dominant Steven Stamkos when the puck is on the stick many times not for very long because we all know how he likes to sit in the circle and snipe but this is this is the postseason that you've wanted to see from Steven Stamkos. And I think if he can uh, stay healthy, continue to be the offensive threat that he's been through the first 
two rounds and do it in front of his home fans, that that'll change a lot. And then if he gets two, then he's starting to get into that rarefied air with the Crosbys and the Canes and the Taves and Malkin. Yep. Like then, and it's two, and it's back to back. Which yep. again, until Pittsburgh a couple years ago, hadn't happened since the Red Wings. You know, whatever, more than a decade before that. So, um, you know, I, I would love to see it. Stamkos has always been nothing but class. He's always been a, a great ambassador for the game, and for everything that he's been through to fight his way back and work his tail off to get back to this place at 31 years old. When I think if we're if we're really honest, the tread on the tire with the injuries and the mileage that he's put on it, he's probably 31 playing with a 34 year old body. But the magic is still there, and it's so much fun to watch. And uh, he's an easy guy to cheer for if you've ever talked to him, which I've been fortunate to chat with him on a number of occasions. Um, he's just – he loves the game. He's, he's a rink rat, and you love to see guys like that succeed. And for everything that he's been through, to come back and be you know, an impact productive at the highest level forward for Tampa has been a lot of fun this postseason. Good stuff, man. I, I, you nailed a lot of stuff, man. And I, I think I think everybody, two great teams, two great coaches and stuff, keep an eye on Stamkos' performance. Watch what he does because I think everything that you just said, he knows how close he is to elevating his stature. You know, I mean, like I said, class act, great player, all that stuff. He's got a ring. But, man, if he, I think he knows inside in his heart and his mind how huge this would be if he can get to the promised land and raise that thing over his head this year. Well, and that's what's going to be fun is watching Barry Trotz try to neutralize. Yeah, Stamkos and then Kucherov swings him from behind. <laughs> and Braden Point. Exactly. Like, that, that, this, that, that chess match is going to be phenomenal to watch, and I can't wait for it. But, yeah, you're right. Stamkos being that guy again is a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch what the Islanders try to do to slow it down. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tab, you're the best, man. Enjoy your vacation. Stay safe. Safe travels back home, buddy. We'll catch you next week, man. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to you soon. Take care. And THS rolls on! Well, it is time. And I'm looking forward to this. To head on up to the great, beautiful city of Montreal. The city of winners, baby. One of the best guys up there. Winner himself, Mr. Costa Papoulias. What's up, buddy? I love these Habs. You're not the only one, brother. You're not the only one. The city's the city's alive, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Partying in the streets, buddy. Hey, look, man. First of all, before we get into all the game stuff and all that stuff, how you feeling, man? Just as a fan. As a fan, I can I can tell you, you know what? There's a lot of parallels to the last cup run in '93, and I'm loving it. You know, and, and and like I'm just I'm just thinking like a lot of people pointed out the obvious stuff like okay they they were down a couple of games to the Quebec Nordiques back to '93 and they rallied back and won it in six okay we beat Toronto in seven but okay they came back from a deficit then in '93 they swept Buffalo in four games in the second round they swept the Jets in four games in the second round funny part about it would be if we ended up facing the, the, the Avalanche and they've got a tall task coming up anyway to try to get get a lead in their series now and get back into it. But if we did end up facing the Avalanche, the Avalanche used to be the Nordiques, so we'd end up facing the Nordiques again. There's all these different stupid parallels that everybody's putting out there. Nothing has anything to do with anything, and it's making me laugh my butt off. But, you know, 
It is what it is. I'm just having fun with it. I'm looking at Twitter and I'm like giggling, like, okay, you people. Next thing you know, they're going to have a seance and try to bring all the ghosts from the forum over to the Bell Center. It's crazy around here. <laughs> Look, man, it's been an absolute trip. I mean, 3 1 down to the Leafs. Man, I mean, I can only imagine how much fun that was on Monday night and putting that to rest and, and just sending the Leafs into oblivion because, I mean, they're just even talking with Tab and, and Joe early. It's like, I mean, they're just an afterthought now, the Leafs. I mean, um, look, uh, you we've been on this journey together here this year on THS, the ups and the downs. You get through, um, you know, just just playing such good hockey here against the Leafs and then just barnstorming through the Jets and obviously recovering from the whole Scheifel and the Evans thing and everything else, but really taking care of business. And, you know, you you said this, Costa. I mean, they've always had – they've had the parts, and you, you can't rave enough about the young guys, Caulfield, Suzuki, and a lot of things having to line up and the way these guys are playing. And it's beautiful to watch. And it all it's all, you know, being cohesive together around a, a system here with Duchamp. No doubt about it, whether it's the Knights or the Avalanche, it's going to go up another level in terms of the competition they got to, to have to deal with. But what's, what's impressed you so much about these guys, you know, getting through the Leafs there and now handling everything against Winnipeg in terms of just how they played, the nonsense with Shifley, and, and also, too, how's Evans doing, brother? <laughs> Well, Evans got has his concussion, and you know he's going to be out long term. I mean, uh, it's his third one, right? And he's only 24 years old, so I think the Habs are going to err on the side of caution and not try to rush him back. You know, they're getting good play from Lekkinen right now. You know, he scored a couple of big, massive goals against the Jets in the last two games. So, I mean, you know, they're getting the same kind of effort from Lekkinen as Evans was giving him. You know, they're getting a little bit of an offensive input, too. So, all that being said, I mean, hopefully the kid gets better soon. I mean, to get, get plowed like that on your birthday, that's the worst thing that could happen to a kid, right? So, I mean, it is what it is. And so you got to move on from that. Everybody's got injuries. You know, Toronto's apparently their, their pride's been injured. And, you know, so bad that, like, the CN Tower, after after the Habs beat the Jets, <laughs> they lit up the CN Tower oh, in Le Bla Rouge, man. And Toronto lost their proverbial minds. <laughs> you know, it's okay to light it up with the pride colors, right? Because it's pride, but, but the minute it goes Ooh. red, white, and blue, Toronto loses their mind. So that's what happened. You know, CN Tower puts out a tweet. You know, we want to show our support for the Montreal Canadiens as they represent Canada in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And fans in Toronto were like apoplectic, man. It was so funny to watch. I swear <laughs> to God, I wish I could I could have like a recorder so I could record all those tweets. Because, oh, my God, it was hilarious. People just absolutely <laughs> losing it. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? It, down here in the city, right, in New York, obviously because of all the different teams we have here, I mean, us us Ranger fans, we're, we're already used to seeing the Island of Colors go up on the Empire State Building. So it's kind of like it's all right, it's no big deal or whatever. But, man, yeah, when, when, when that went up, and I was like, oh, that hurts. But I don't know, maybe maybe Toronto, the city of Toronto's just had enough of the least failure <laughs> to jump on the hats bag wagon here, man. I, I'm sure they have, man. And you know what? And no fault of their own because, you know, they're loyal fans. you got to give it to Toronto fans. They're loyal. They stick with their team. They don't jump ship. But, man, after a certain period of time, you start looking at it and you're going, you know what? I think it's time to start looking at maybe other avenues because I know that, like, there's a lot of people in Toronto that have lost faith in Kyle Dubas. And this is happening, and it's no fault of Kyle's. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you got a rookie coach. You know, the only thing that Dubis needs to do is actually get some defense. And he's been working at that slowly, trying to get something. But you know what? When you got so much money 
in 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 cap space tied up with guys like Matthews and Marner and all those different cast of characters up front. I mean, it's the same situation in Edmonton, right? Both those teams. They've got so much money tied up in their forwards. You can't really go out and get a premier defenseman. You have to develop him internally. And that's what Dubis is trying to do. You know, much like they did with Morgan Riley, who's, you know, a, a homebred talent. You know, they're looking for somebody to come up and help Riley out. Riley's a seasoned vet now. And having Jake Muzzin there, that was a plus. But then losing him in the playoffs, that leaves another gap on your defense. And that's ultimately what was the last straw for the Leafs. And that's what killed him against the Habs. But, you know, you got to have a little bit of depth on defense. And, you know, the proof is what Montreal's doing. You know, you got Jeff Petrie, one of, by far their second best defenseman, gets knocked out, right? And it's like they didn't miss a beat. They mm-hmm. just kept on going, right? Insert player here. It's like, you know, all you got to do is ba- – and this is something that everybody has to give Dominic Ducharme credit for regardless of how they thought he was coaching in the first round, after every game, and this was said by the players themselves, after every game, he was meeting the players not just as a group but individually. If he needed something to address it, he wouldn't address it in front of the entire group. He would address it individually so that this way you're not embarrassing the other players if they're doing something wrong that the coach doesn't like and you're not belittling them. You're basically sitting them down and saying, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you did right. I need you to do less of this. And when you have more of those one-on-one sessions, especially when you're uh, as proactive a coach as Ducharme is, you start to see results as things start to develop. And the proof is in the pudding, man. You look at what they're doing right now. The Jets had no answer. And yeah, you and I have talked about how inconsistent the Jets have been all year. And again, you got that, right? They they sweep the Edmonton Oilers in seven games and then four games and then they lose in four games. It's that inconsistency that's been their bane of existence all season long. And so now, lo and behold, the Canadians are going in there not only with a bunch of confidence because you could see to a man they're excited. And that's what you need going into another round. You can't back in there, right, like they did into the playoffs. That's kind of why they didn't have the success early on. And that's kind of why, you know, things weren't going their way. It wasn't that they were playing bad hockey. It's just that things weren't gelling the way they should. Lo and behold, you put the old men together. You've got a fourth line that's probably the best in the playoffs right now. And then you look at the young guys. You let you you're talking about Caulfield. You caught Kenyemi. You know Gallagher scored a couple of goals. You're getting contributions from everyone, and that's kind of what's being tough. It's not like you're playing against Toronto, who's got Matthews and Marner. You shut them down, you're good. And God knows if Montreal ends up playing Colorado, that's going to be their focus: shut down McKinnon, and the rest is going to be gravy. That's going to be their mindset. So at the end of the day, everything's falling into place for the Canadians, and the game plan remains the same all throughout. There's no change. Take care of the big guys and let, let, let's see if their, their, their support staff can score goals. And if the Canadians continue doing what they're doing, Matt, it, you know, they may very well get into the cup final before people blink. Yeah, all right. Well, let's let's talk about this. All right, so let's let's put the Leafs and, and the Jets behind. I think there's there's a couple of things that I want to dive into you here uh, with this team. Not only where they're at right now, obviously sitting here waiting to see uh, who they're going to play here in this very unique situation where Montreal is going to play a team from a, a, the, basically the Western Conference uh, for a chance to go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So that's that in itself is a storyline. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. You know, we, you've gone in and out of this lineup. Uh, you know, uh, all the different guys that have, um, you know, uh, been, you know, a part of this run here. And let's take this just team. No matter what happens against Colorado or Vegas, okay? Mm-hmm. This this team, this franchise, has a whole new outlook 
going forward. I mean, if they had been knocked out by the Leafs, you know, Costa, this is going in a different direction, okay? Right. You've got an opportunity now not only to see how Deshaun now coaches under pressure, coaches with these and, and I know he's done it on the on uh on the minor league levels but this is the NHL here uh and against you know uh two great coaches there on the other side in Edmonton and obviously Winnipeg experienced guys so let's take it you, that's this is house money right for Montreal this is a, a rebirth you've got some young guys here that they can kind of build around Bergerman here gets a second chance you see the energy I think this is just a, a, a huge moment from the outside and obviously hanging with you all season long this is a huge moment for the franchise which it could have went Absolutely. a totally different uh different direction and whoever they play in the next round this team is going to gain just an incredible amount of experience for this total run here through these three series, even if they don't get to the finals. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right, Paul. And 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 the one advantage that Montreal has that kind of Winnipeg had, but didn't have an answer for, is the fact that they finished off their opponent in four games, and right now they've got some time to sit down and look at tape, and look at all the different games that have been played against different opponents. Right? There's prep, prep time that the Canadians didn't have after the Leafs going into the Jets series. So basically you saw a cookie cutter from one series to the next that actually worked. Now you're going to really see how Ducharme coaches because he's going to sit down and he's going to not only game plan for the, the Avalanche, he's going to game plan for the, for, for, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And whoever comes out of that series, this team's going to be prepared for. One way they're going to get practice time, which is at a premium in the playoffs. You know that as much as I do. They haven't had practice time. So yeah, you can work on a couple of little tweaks here and there, and it's, it's not... Like the Canadians have much to work on, you know, everything's been, you know, whether it's the power play, the penalty kill, which was the best in the league this year, you know, especially at scoring shorthanded goals. I mean, there's been a lot of positives throughout for the Montreal Canadiens. So they can actually sit down and game plan properly. Their scouts are going to be at those games. They're going to be watching. They're going to be reporting back. Video is going to be pulled. Sessions are going to be had. Practice is going to be had. And the Canadians are going to be prepared. And that's the one thing that whoever they play will not be ready for is the fact that the team's going to be ready, period. All right, okay, So the Montreal Canadiens are going to come out and be absolutely like gangbusters, especially in game one. They're going to be ready. They're going to see whether it's Pacioretty, who you know the Canadians will not want to lose to, mm-hmm. right? or Mark Stone, who they're very familiar with through his days in Ottawa. Yep. You know, and then, or you look at the other side, and you got Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog. Okay, so you've got very similar players on both sides. You game plan the same way with little tweaks. You stick at the no on, on McKinnon like you did against Matthews, you know, and, and, you've, and you see Nathan McKinnon, when he gets frustrated, his game completely falls off the table again, just like Austin Matthews. There's a lot of these, 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 these similarities between players that you don't normally see. So that's the way it is. And so at the end of the day, you know, there's a huge advantage there. Bar none for the Montreal Canadiens. It doesn't matter the opponent. All right, so here's my question, Casa, and 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 you know you can look at the Toronto series, and maybe maybe the answer is yes to the question, and then you can look at the Winnipeg s- situation, and maybe this question is going to be yes again. But with Colorado and Vegas, two very physical teams, big teams, they're they're beating the hell out of each other. Uh, talking to Joey and Tab about it before, it reminds me a lot of the old Kings Hawk series uh, as far mm-hmm. as the physicalness, and and you know, there's not a lot of garbage as far as the officiating and all that other stuff that's coming out of like you know what what happened in the Winnipeg uh, Montreal series, and also what happened in Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, Boston and the Islanders here. Um, can do you have enough confidence that uh, and, and I know you guys are going to wish for four overtimes in Game Seven, and another three overtimes uh, in Game Seven as well, <laughs> but. 
can can the have can the Habs match up physically against these two lineups? Forget, I mean, I think talent wise, uh, goaltending, defensively, and again, these two series have given these young guys a lot of experience. I don't think the confidence is going to have to worry about it. You guys are also benefiting from having some fans in the buildings, uh, which the other teams have had too. But uh, quick, quick uh, question. My only question to you is: physically, can they stand up to either? Uh, what Colorado and what Vegas can throw at them as far as just the physicalness uh, uh, that they bring to the ice. I, I absolutely think they can. I mean, you take a look at you know the forwards for the Montreal Canadiens and that group. I mean, one of the things that you have to look at, they're not as small as they used to be, right? Okay, you've got Caulfield who's a little bit smaller. You've got you know Suzuki who's a little bit smaller, but they can hold their own. They showed that. You know? and Suzuki showed it all season and had success. You know, Caulfield and the little sample size that we've had has shown that he's able to take a hit and keep on moving. He's like the Energizer Bunny. And then you look at the other forwards, like whether it's Paul Byron or, you know, all those, those guys that are, who have that diminutive stature, it's not so much a physical game they play, although they can get physical, it's a speed game. And that, in effect, is what the Canadians do. Your biggest issue when you're looking at any team is the, whether or not their defense can handle the physicality. Right. So whether you're looking at Montreal and Shea Weber or, you know, whether or not Petrie comes back, that remains to be seen. But, you know, you look at Romanov and all the other defensemen that the Canadians have on the back end and they can get physical. You know, they can also skate the puck you know, out of the zone if they have to. You know, there, there's there's a multitude of, of, of facets to their game, which the Canadians didn't have before. The same can be said about Colorado, where, you know, they've got a superstar in defense, Gail Fleury. Right. Not Kale Fleury, Kale McCarr, sorry. You know, <laughs> it's it's, right, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my mind here with the Kale. You don't have to apologize <laughs> to me. You know, I, I ruin names and players all the time. You know that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you, you've got McCarr on the back end in, 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 in Colorado. So there's that. When you're looking at, you know, Vegas, whether it's, you know, it's Shea Theodore on their end, who's got that, that, that the hybrid type of game. So every team has those similar facets. It's whether or not they can handle it. Montreal showed they could. You know, when you look at forwards on Winnipeg, where it's, whether it's Blake Wheeler or, you know, uh, Connor or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, Nate Thompson, uh, Matthew Perot, what, these guys are all physical. And they were non-factors against Montreal. Every single one of them. You know, so you know that Montreal can absolutely phase out that part of the game. So I don't think the onus is on the Montreal defense or the Montreal forwards to adapt to the game that's going to be handed to them, you know, regardless of the opponent. It's going to be the opponent that's going to have to play to Montreal and have to game plan against Montreal this time around. I think they're, they're playing from a, a, a position of strength, Paul, and that's something that Montreal hasn't done in years. Yeah, man. It doesn't matter what playoff series it was, right? When Montreal went to the conference finals in 2010 and they beat Washington and Pittsburgh in seven games back-to-back, they played four, 14 games. They were exhausted. They didn't come in in a position of strength. They weren't able to prepare for the Rangers, right? Yeah. This time around, completely different aspect. They've got time, and they're, you know, they're going to have to be able to lick their wounds a little bit, get a little bit healthier, rest a little bit, which you know is absolutely paramount necessary in the playoffs. Yeah. And again, that's the advantage. Montreal's got it. The opponent's going to have to play to it. Bottom line. I tell you, man, in all my life, I never thought I would say that. I would actually be okay with seeing Shea Weber hand the cup to Carey Price, and then Carey Price pass it around and then seeing it given to Deshaun and then Bergevin. Because, like I said, they're a lot of fun. Um, I think it's a great team. It's a, I think it's a great story. I think it's great for Montreal. You know, I mean, I, you know, me and you have known each other a long, long time. Uh, we've done these shows back and forth over the years. Uh, it's always been fun. Uh, I've been griping to hopefully, you know, have Montreal back in the mix here. I know it's been a tough couple of seasons. 
And, and I really do. I think it's a rejuvenating thing. And you guys have a lot of fun players on this squad to watch. And I think it's just great. And whoever they get in the next round, it's just going to be super stuff. So I'm really happy for you, Costa, and uh, happy for the fan base and the franchise. And uh, just going to sit back like everybody else and, and watch the show and see what happens. And, again, no matter what happens uh, in the next series, um, I just think you guys have so much to look forward to. I think a lot of questions have been answered for you guys, Costa. So it gives you a little a little hope going forward, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You need to gauge the team. I mean, the regular season is one thing, and you know that as well as I do, right? You've got you, we. There have been teams that have been, you know, presidents, trophy winners, get into the playoffs, and absolutely are unprepared because they don't have that particular mix of players that works in the playoffs. Montreal, despite what people might think, I thought this as well. I've kind of, as the season's gone along, I've kind of changed my mind on this, and not necessarily because of the playoff success. They were built for the playoffs because there's a mix of different kind of players there that you need to be able to have success. You can interchange these guys from line to line and your lines will look completely different, right? Right now, they've got the right chemistry, the right base, and there's no reason for them to change anything. But if Montreal needs to change something, they can. You can take a guy like, you know, say, for example, you take a Corey Perry and you could put him up there with a Phil Deneau to try to get a little bit more offense on that line, you know, depending on how Gallagher plays. You can drop Gallagher down, change the whole complexion of how that line looks because you're going to have that net front presence, right, which is something the fourth line uses all the time. And either way, you're not pulling any energy. So these interchangeable parts are there. So if you do have an injury, you know Montreal's going to be fine. You can't say that about other teams. If, if another team loses a key player, like if we lose Gallagher, fine. We have some guys that play a similar game and we can fill them in. But if another team loses a, uh, one of their top players, like McKinnon goes out or Pacioretty goes out, who was a 30-goal scorer, and they missed through the first round, and you saw how they struggled in, yeah. in, in Vegas. What happens? Can you go seven games? I don't know. You know, and all those questions have to be asked because Montreal, again, is coming from a position of strength. And there's no clear answer. You can, try, you can sit down and try to make a prediction all you want. There's no real answer to it. And that's the beauty of what the playoffs are all about. Yep, what a turnaround, man. It's been so much it's been so much fun to watch. All right, Costa, look, we gotta sit back and chill out and wait and uh I can't wait to talk to you next week going forward and see who you guys are gonna play and we'll go from there. So look, before I let you go, man, uh your your thoughts here on obviously the the Bruins getting knocked out here by the Islanders and uh that series coming up is gonna be something else. Uh quick take on 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 either of those two series, uh the Canes and the and the Bolts and, and the Bruins and the Isles, and then obviously maybe a quick look at who you think is gonna come out of that series. Well, I can tell you this much. Okay, looking at the Islanders, but Boston series, which I was watching really, really close, right? Because I, I love the Islanders. I always have. Uh, you, you know, Boston, I've always hated for obvious reasons. Yes. But there's one thing about Boston I really hate, and that's the fact that when they don't have success, they cry. And whether it was Claude Julien behind the bench or Bruce Cassidy, it's always the referee's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It's not their own. But I'll tell you this much. That's a microcosm of the president of the team because Cam Neely's exactly that way. Yeah. Right? So whether Nailed it's Cassidy it. saying it or whether it's, it's Julian saying it, it's all about Cam Neely. So until Cam Neely is gone, the Bruins aren't winning again. I can tell you that up front because they're not going to get the support of the refs because the minute you start to bitch and complain about the refs, nothing happens. And you get even less penalty calls. And so, you know, until that mindset is gone, and God knows Boston's got all kinds of talent and they can win if they want to. But they have to focus on winning and not about what's happening around them. That's the bottom line with Boston. And with the Islanders, I just I love Barry Trotz. Just turn around and say, I don't know what he's talking about. My team was the cleanest in the league. Yeah, absolutely. 
no doubt about that. Not, you know, just throw it in his face. Like, okay, you go pay 25 grand for saying, for saying the absolute wrong thing, and I'll just sit back and win the last game and win the series. How's that? <laughs> you know, that's, what's, that's what happened there. So I love that, you know, and I, I'm glad that the Islanders got through. It's great for the city of New York, and especially for Long Island, because I love to see Nassau Coliseum rocking, man. There's nothing like it. Reminds me of the 80s. You absolutely love it, right? And then when you're looking at, you know, Colorado and Vegas, man, that, that, that series is a crapshoot. Because, you know, if, you know, all of a sudden you've got Grubauer that gets red hot, yeah, they, there's a chance for Colorado to win the series. Yeah. But you've got to get beat Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, he's if he loses his focus for a second, and he did a good job of making sure he maintained it after letting that flub at the, at the beginning of the first period, last game. Yep. You know, reaching over across. I, what was he thinking anyway? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, if he loses focus, and you've seen this, whether it's a junior or whether it was playing for Pittsburgh, the possibility is there to beat him once you get into his head. So get into his head. Get a little bit of traffic in front of the net. Stop playing your finesse game, and you're going to see Flurry struggle because that's where his game is the weakest. You know, and again, that falls into Montreal's strength. They get in front of the net and they wreak havoc. Well, Flurry doesn't handle it well. Neither does Grubauer. Another thing that's on Montreal's side. So I, I, I'm not worried. I think either way, Montreal is going to show very well against whoever the opponent might be, despite the fact that I said Colorado is going to go to the final. Right? I still uh-huh. think it's going to be an awesome series either way. Yeah. No, no, no matter the opponent. So it's going to be fun. No doubt about it. So, Casa, before I let you go, who's going to win this uh, series uh, with the Avs and, and the Knights, and, and who wins the Island of Tampa Bay series? I honestly think it's going to seven between between the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado because they're like 1-1-A, man. There's no real huge differences between these teams. They've got scorers on both sides. They've got character on both sides. They've got good goaltending and defense on both sides. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, a game of attrition. Who wants it more? If, you know, the, the Avalanche want to make it to the cup final like everybody was expecting them to, they're going to have to come out hungry today, and they're going to have to pay the price to be able to score those goals and be able to move on to Game 7 and possibly win the series. But, you know, the same to say, it can be said for Vegas. They've got a couple of guys there. You know, Pacioretty's always had this stigma, especially when he was here in Montreal, that he can't score in the big games. Well, this is a big game for Vegas. So if Pacioretty wants to get that shoulder, that monkey off his back, he's going to have to start scoring goals in the games that matter. And tonight's going to be a huge test for him. So we'll see how that goes. And in the meantime, when you're looking at Tampa and, and, and the Islanders, I honestly, you know, the Islanders' style doesn't suit Tampa's style of play. So it's going to be weird. In the sense that, you know, you're going to have this gunslinging team on one side and a team that plays stifling defense on the other, and you're going to see who wins. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, Vasilevsky has shown that, like, he can be beat, you know, on any given night. He hasn't really played all that well all season long. And the only reason the, the Tampa Bay has actually gotten to where they are is because they've got offense coming in through their ears. And, you know, you got local kid. Alex Killorn, who always leads the way every year. That guy scores goals in the playoffs and was worth every penny that Tampa Bay paid him in his last contract. Yeah. You know, they've got Stamkos there. They've got Braden Point. They got Tyler Johnson. They got all kinds of weapons there. But you're coming up against the blue wall that is the New York Islanders, right? Who play stifling defense. And you know that Barry trots every game. He makes those adjustments and he makes sure that his team is ready to go. And they've got, you know, you got Barzal starting to heat up, you know. You've got Eberly, who's been playing a solid game through and through. Nick Letty on the back end. You know, it's, there's a lot going on in New York that people don't notice because they play such a team game. But you know, it's going to be an interesting series, man. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Tampa, probably in about six games. But it's going to be fun to watch. And if the Islanders come out of it, I won't be surprised. 
It certainly will be fun. And I'm not appreciating you blowing on so much smoke up the aisles butt there, okay? You know you got a Ranger hey, fan get, on the I other side of this mic, them, buddy. I said I wouldn't be surprised if they win it. Like, seriously, you're a Rangers fan. That's not, that's not the other customer I'd, I'd expect this. What is this? <laughs> buddy, it's awesome, man. Look, this run, this, is, uh, this ride here with the has been fantastic. I can't wait to keep this going with you the rest of the way, man. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Great take, man. And uh, say hi to everybody up in Montreal for me, buddy. You got it, man. Go Owls, go. How's that? Oh, that's <laughs> nasty. All right, buddy. Take care, man. Have a great weekend. You too. Costa Papalias, ladies and gentlemen, as always. Ah, oh, they're having too much fun up in Montreal. Great stuff. And THS rolls out. All right. It's time to head out to the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Either way, it's time to hang out with our good buddy, Mr. Steve Palumbo. From the great state of California, Steve-O, how are you, my brother? I am doing fantastic, buddy. Thanks for speaking with you. <laughs> playoff run. Wow. What do you say, Steve-O? I mean, you know, you, you know, you, how old are you, buddy? I, I've never asked you this, but how old are you? <laughs> I'm 44. Okay, all right. So I'm, I'm the, I think I'm the elder statement here uh, among the THS guys here. So, but you know, me and you have, you know, when you break your forties, and I'm I'm going to be fifty two. So we we've seen a lot of hockey, my friend. There's no doubt oh. about it. So, um, let's let's try and just run around all this stuff here as best as we can. All right. So, uh, I'm going to throw it to you. I mean, you know, I guess we could start with the Leafs getting knocked out here by the Habs, and and I just got off with 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 Costa there, and um, I'd love to get your take on, on their story. Um, how they've done here, um, obviously, the, you know, finishing things up with, their, with the suite there on Monday, the whole Shifley incident and stuff. But uh, let's get your take there on, on what the Habs have done here as they sit tight and wait for a rare Western <laughs> Conference foe to go to the dance. You know, if you would have told me or asked me in the beginning of this whole thing, you would have tied me up, held my feet to the fire <laughs> and said, you know, Tell me the Montreal Canadiens are going to be there in the semifinals. Tell me, and I would have said absolutely not. I would have gone up in flames. I, I would have never expected, you know, the comeback against Toronto. I don't know if it said more about Toronto or Montreal. At least that's what it seemed like in the beginning. And then the way they, they just dispatched the Jets, who I thought were an even better team than Toronto all around. I know that the loss of Shifley uh, was big for them. But, man, Montreal looks like a team that is more well positioned to play playoff hockey and I think you're seeing the results of that now what what a surprise and what a pleasure to watch like guys like Corey Perry Tyler Toffoli of course Carey Price the young guys who they didn't start in the beginning of the playoffs coming in I mean Cole Caulfield is a real deal uh Kakinen I mean they're they are uh just a pleasure to watch and I mean if there's a, a Canadian team who's going to break the curse, it would be the last Canadian team that won the cup for Canada, which would be Montreal. I mean, it feels a lot like 92-93 season. There's a lot of shades of that. Um, whether they can get past the next opponent's going to be, that'll be the tough test for them. But just so far, just really enjoying watching them play hockey. And it's a pleasure to see fans being able to enjoy it too in Canada. Yeah, man, it's been a, a nice touch there. And, and uh, you know, this is this is going to be, there's no doubt, it's a, it's an obvious turnaround for this franchise. You know, no matter how they come out of the uh, the next round here, no matter who they play, and 
man, if they were to get into the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, this young team, and I think you nailed it too. It is. It's uh, like even for me, you know, you're a Devils fan. I'm a Rangers fan. You know, uh, battles and stuff. I mean, you know, it's funny because the Devils have that history of hiring, you know, Lemare, you know, for uh, the Devils there, and then Robinson coming in and winning Stanley Cups and everything. You have that little uh, six degrees of separation with Montreal. And I find myself as a Ranger fan just – Loving this young team, Suzuki and Caulfield and, and Toffoli and, and and just seeing Price getting another run here. I mean, you look at the four goaltenders that are that are left or five goaltenders, obviously, with, um, you know, the games tonight. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 weird, isn't it? It's uh, you always love a great story during the uh, the playoff run and a surprise story. And there's no doubt the Habs have been that story. Oh, absolutely. And, and that, that is really one of the things that, like, for me, really separates – playoff hockey you know obviously the game the tempo but when you get down to it and the 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 anybody can win storylines that come out of it and it doesn't happen like that in other sports at least doesn't feel that way in basketball it always seems like a foregone conclusion but what with hockey you get these stories these runs these teams just go they get hot they get the hot goalie someone starts scoring who's an unlikely scorer and then you you just see these crazy things happen it just it's just a you just feel good watching it i i mean that's Man, I just love the sport so much, and I'm I'm going to be pulling for Montreal unless they're playing Vegas. <laughs> yeah. All right, look, before we swing back into that game tonight and that series, let's just jump over to, obviously, the Bolts handled the, the Canes there. They, they take care of them. Um, you know, cup winners, the defending Stanley cha- uh, Cup champs here, Coop behind the bench. Looks like everybody's healthy going into this series here with the Islanders. And um, I'll get your take here real quick on, on what the Bolts did, um, you know, and, and how you feel uh, they're going to match up here against the Islanders, which they played last year. But uh, it's a totally different situation. And then obviously get your take on this Bruins-Islanders uh, series that wrapped up last night as well. Well, I mean, Tampa Bay is one of those dynastic-type teams. I mean, they've been building to this for a long time. Uh, they, of course, they... They had that that crazy upset in the first round where they got swept. They come back strong. They win the cup. And now they're just doing what teams that have that kind of pedigree are supposed to do. They're just taking care of business. I did not expect them to dispatch the Canes in the manner that they did. I thought the Canes would be up to the challenge uh, because they were so good all season long and they played uh, Tampa so well. But when you get down to the situ- you know, these playoff situations and the matchups, Tampa Bay was just too much for them to handle. And really, Tampa Bay is going to be too much for anybody to handle, I think. They just are built so well from top to bottom. They get scoring all around. You get, you know, they got Stamkos. They've got the goaltending. Uh, Kucherov is, is on fire. Um, just a, just such a, a pleasure to watch as far as a, 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 the way a team is constructed and built to, to perform in this time, type of, uh, time of the season. Yeah, man, it's uh, you know, it's just great. I was talking to Tam before too. I'll ask you real quick too. I think this is a huge year for Stamkos, and I think you can take a look at uh, all the different stars on um and Tampa. And for me, it starts in net. I mean, Vasilevsky to me is the best goaltender in the world. Um, yeah, I, that's just my opinion. No disrespect to everybody else that's left in in, in hockey here and uh, for the push here to go to the finals. Um, but you know, and, and you know him too. I mean, you're a great eye on, on guys who have uh, just been winners in this league and, you know, the, the different draft, um, you know, classes that have come through the, uh, the NHL here in the last 15 years. But, um, I think, I think personally, a lot of people should watch, um, Steven Samkos, uh, in not only in this island series and if he gets through what this would mean for him to be in the lineup from start to finish from the playoff series to the end and put that cup over his uh, shoulders. 
I think so too. I think, you know, he, he was, he, last year was kind of tainted for him because he was injured. He did come back and have that great moment in the final, but I, it still does, it doesn't feel like a full cup run for him, the captain. It's still something I think that weighs on him and he's playing like somebody who's got something to prove. I mean, the guy is, is one of the best players in the league. He really doesn't have anything to prove, but he's really coming out, performing in the playoffs, and wants to be part of a full cup run. And I think he's determined to do that. And he's just one of those incredible players that um, has the ability to just make things happen out of nothing. He's a great leader, uh, perfect guy for that franchise, and, and another guy that you really want to root for. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, uh, so in addition to that being the champs, the coaching, uh, multiple lines, multiple weapons, defensively strong in the nets. You flip over here to the Islanders, and that's kind of what they were able to kind of throw at the Bruins. The Bruins were kind of stuck with, the, you know, the second, third, and fourth lines, not really able to produce, uh, depended heavily on the perfection line. We'll never know what the story is with Rask in terms of his health and how he played, uh, unable to finish, uh, all the garbage with the officiating here and there and the complaining and the whining. And, you know, Barry Trotz is world-class. Lamarillo here, they've just totally turned the face of the franchise around. Now, I can't remember, Steve, maybe you can remind me. I don't think the Devils have ever played the Islanders in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, as a Ranger fan growing up as a kid, back in the dynasty years, uh, you know, getting knocked out by the Isles, you know, playing in the Coliseum, you know what it's like, too, just even regular season games there when, when the Owls are a good competitive team. They're a huge factor. The fan base here is bringing back a lot of great memories. Um, so what do you take out of um, not only how the Islanders took care of the Bruins, uh, but their chances here against the Bolts? Whew. You know, that, that's tough. I mean, again, the Islanders, another team that Lou has built. You know, Lou gets questioned for all his moves and the things that he does, but he, he knows how to build a team. Uh, to perform in the playoffs. They play a defensive style. Uh, they can shut down, you know, the best players. Um, they did a great job in the Boston series. It's hard to say that Tampa's going to roll over them or that they don't have a shot against Tampa because we, they've proven to us that this team, again, this is their second long run in the playoffs, and they, they have the goaltending. They have the defensive prowess. They've got guys who are now chipping in. Carl Palmieri has got seven goals in the playoffs. He's just another secondary threat. I think the big loss for them is, is still not having Anders Lee. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them to get past Tampa Bay to get to the final. But I do feel like that they do match up well enough to where that they could slow Tampa, Tampa Bay down enough to where they can maybe steal a game or two and, you know, make, make the series really interesting. Yeah, and I, I think the uh, you got I got to get your opinion on this. I think the Islanders fan base is is definitely that. That's the seventh. That's the seventh man. They they what they did against uh, the Bruins. I mean, full marks to them. Like I said, I'm a Rangers fan. I'm a Long Islander. I'm happy for them. Do I want the Islanders to win the cup? No, but you know, if it's Trots and it's Lamarillo, I, I you know I can deal with it. I think it'll be great for uh, you know this franchise going forward and everything. And they and they will have earned it. There's no doubt about it. Um, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Is there's, there's not a lot of guys in the island. There's, maybe for me personally, Barzell's probably the only guy I can't stand on that team. And that's only it's no disrespect to him as a person or a player. It's just a kind of you know he just he's out there. He causes a lot of trouble. It's it's a, it's a it's a respect um, kind of like angst that I have towards him more than anything. Um, but, you know, both fans in the buildings for, for these fan bases, and, and we're going to swing into Colorado and Vegas here in a second, but I want to get your take here just watching this. These Islander fans, you got to give them credit, man, because I think they definitely got under the Bruins' skin there, and, and Cassidy just gave them 
fodder, you know, with the, the comments after the games here, man. But uh, get your take on that with the Islanders fan base and, and just seeing the fans going nuts here in the buildings again. I mean, they're unreal. I mean, the, they, it's like they <laughs> never slow down. I mean, they're tailgating before the games. They Once the puck drops, I mean, they never stop. They got those soccer-style chants going. The taunts, they are just unreal, waving the towels. They're, the building is not a capacity, but you would think that it was standing room only and that the roof is falling off because of how loud, how vocal, and how much of a part of the experience they've been. I think the Islanders are really feeding off that. You could see it in the game yesterday. After uh, Palmieri goal, Pajot goal, or whatever, they're pumping their hands up, getting the, their, 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 you know, the wave into the crowd. These these players are feeling it. And, um, man, Boston was not the same way. That was a full building. And, and you can tell, you could not tell on TV that it was a full building. But in, in those games when they were on the island, it was an absolutely unreal atmosphere. And it's just been a real, I mean, a real treat to watch, really. I mean, that is that is what this is all about. And they really are helping carry this team along. They, like you said, they are that seventh guy out there for them. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa's going to really want to win their home games. <laughs> That's all I can say, man. <laughs> <laughs> or it's going to be they're, they're going to they're going to make a the fans will make an impact in the series. It's it's already ha- happened. We've seen it happen with uh, with Boston, no doubt about it. All right, so let's let's turn to the conference that you've been covering all year long with us at THS. Uh, huge yes. game six, obvious stuff here for the Avs. Um, you know, look, it's been a fantastic series. And I oh, and, and, and obviously the devil thing here with Pete DeBoer, and we've talked about this and him trying to get to, you know, he, he's gotten close. He's never been able to finish. And then he looks finished again in this series. I mean, full marks to the Vegas Knights of flipping this whole series around. Um, talk about your take on, on these two teams. What do you think is going to happen here tonight? And, and, and just, just your overview of this series. And, and is there anything that surprises you and, and, I'm going to say it's Marc-Andre Fleury's the huge difference in this series, but I'd love yeah. to hear you give me maybe you one or two impact guys uh, on either side um, uh, that you feel is, is making the difference here in the series, for, primarily obviously for the Knights now being up 3-2. Well, I think, again, we're going to see another really crazy barn tonight in, in Vegas. That place is, is going to be bananas. It's, it's a party there all the time. And I think that's going to be a huge difference. I think this series really, you know, it, it – it, you know, they, the Knights get blown out in the game one. Colorado, that place is going bananas. And you think, oh, okay, Colorado's going to roll. But you ha- then you start to see Vegas start to get into their game, get into the rhythm, and realize they are in the position they are, why they're in the position they are. They, Like you said, they have the outstanding goaltending. And they were the, the Jennings uh, winning team. They were the best defensive team. They can shut down the best players. And they've been able to, to clog up the space and not let uh, Colorado's big guys um you know, get the space and get the open looks and, and generate any kind of consistent offense. Um, and then they're getting the timely scoring. I mean, I was, when I was watching the game five, I'm like, this is a game that a guy like Alex Tuck, who had been held off the score sheet, really needs to score. And of course, he comes up with a huge goal. And then you see a guy like uh, Mark Stone, who's the heart and soul, perfect captain for that organization, come up. He has a chance to win the game late on a breakaway. He doesn't bury it, but then he gets another opportunity in op- overtime, and the dude doesn't miss. And he reminds me of like one of the Muppets with the crazy hair and stuff like that. He's going <laughs> and scores that goal, and I think the team feeds off of um, a guy like him, and and he's not, he's he's really really like animated and perfect for that that city. And one of those guys that is so important to the success of this team, they're going to go as he goes. Um, the defense has been phenomenal. Um, and, man, I just 
I'm just really looking to see what the atmosphere is going to be like tonight. This has just been a heck of a series. It's so fun to watch. Um, two two really great teams going head to head. This is this is it's been a pleasure and everything that was uh, built up to be. Yeah, man, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and, and the Colorado, the Avs fans have been just fantastic, too, in that building as well. It's been a lot of high energy. Um, you know, I mentioned this a couple of times. Obviously, it reminds me of the, the Hawks and the Kings going at it when they were trading cups a few years back. And um, we're getting here again. I mean, obviously, all, all of us want, and definitely the Canadians definitely want this thing to go three or four overtimes tonight in a game seven uh, to get us there. Um, but all in all, man, uh, you know, this Western Division coming down, uh, to an end, and you know the Knights w- have been right up there as far as you know a, a team that should be probably be you know a favorite to to get into the conference finals or the semifinals of calling here, and then the cup. And I guess Steve, at the end of the day, and I'll give you the last word on this. Um, let's say Colorado ties this thing up, but whoever wins this series, how do you think it affects one <laughs> franchise either way, better or worse, going forward? You know, that's a good, really good question. Um, if, if, you know, it does go seven and Colorado or, you know, I think you're going to see a team like Colorado is still young enough to where they're just not going to um, have to tinker much. They, they expect to win. So they may make a change or two or and maybe add a couple of uh, player or you know, bring in another one of their young guys. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the situation with Vegas is that they're up against it with the cap. You know, so they've got while they're still a young franchise, they've got a short window because you know, money is going to become an issue at some point. Um, guys are going to have to start to get paid. And so I think the, the pressure is, is a little bit greater on them than it would be, I say, on Colorado. And that organization wants to win so bad. I mean, we're talking about an expansion team here and their only goal is to win the Stanley Cup. That is their sole motivation. So, again, another team that will may have to make some changes, but they're not going to go into this rebuild. They're another team that, that is poised to to retool, reload, and come back and try it again. But I, I do think this is their, their window is a, little, is a lot narrower than, say, a Colorado. And I do want to also note that if it does go Game 7, that Pete DeBoer has never lost a Game 7 behind the bench. I think he's something <laughs> like 7-0. and 0. That's an incredible stat for a coach wow. in the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking – I'm looking forward to a really, really good game tonight. Yeah, and he's he, he definitely needs it. I mean, look, I got a soft spot for DeBoer. I, I liked him when he was here with the Devils. I think he's a good guy, good coach. It's frustrating. You know, there's so many so many great coaches, so many great players, Steve-O, throughout the league that that they're just such high-caliber, class-act guys but can never get the ring, can never get the championship. And, you know, in the NHL especially, man, it's the hardest trophy to win. You know how hard it is to get back there. And, um, man, it'll be something else to to, to see what happens here tonight. And uh, But he's got him in a good spot, man. It's good stuff, yeah. and it's, it's been a great run, and um, it's been so enjoyable to watch. And it's been great to, to watch along with you here and, and, and fitting that the uh, the Western Division uh, is the last teams that have to wrap up here, buddy. So uh, great stuff, man. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens next week. And it will be unique to see the Canadians <laughs> play either the Knights or um, uh, uh, the Avalanche. That's just crazy there in itself. It, it really is. But again, just another little fun twist on this season of like craziness. So um, I guess, you know, doing the best you can to enjoy it while it lasts, because uh, we hopefully we never see any craziness like this again for a long time. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about the Ducks and the Kings getting back in the playoffs next year. Right, buddy? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> Steve, you're the best, man. Thanks as always. Great takes. Love it. Uh, can't wait to follow up with you again next week and, and, and see where, uh, you know, this matchup for this uh, Stanley Cup final, uh, the last Final Four gets uh, matched up. But uh, you're the best, brother. Take care and have a wonderful weekend, okay? All right, buddy. Take care. You got it. Steve Palumbo, ladies and gentlemen, right here on THS from the great state of California, as always, giving us a great take on all the playoffs. It's all my guys here on THS have. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this week's edition. Man, enjoy the game tonight. It's been great stuff. And, again, we'll know uh, the final four uh, somewhere either tonight or this weekend as far as uh, Colorado and Golden Knights are concerned. So good stuff. So on, the, on behalf of myself, Mr. Paul Cuthbert here in New York, Ted Bamford out in Chicago, but from Florida today, Joe Yardin up in Buffalo, Costa Papalias up in Montreal, and the great Steve Palumbo out west in Cali. Thanks so much for listening, sharing, subscribing, and enjoy the games. And as always, keep your head up out there. THS is out.